Hey, and they, hey, they play that awesome. Kinkasudu, that one. Yeah. Yes, and I'm glad you didn't keep going with that. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. We have another super giant show ready for you. We have been plotting this for months and months, and we are finally getting started. We are going to have a ton of guests, we are going to have a ton of music, and we're going to have a ton of fun. So, for the first episode, we got literally the entire past, present, and future podcast crew together. Joining me today, we have Derek Heemsbergen. Yes, I am, in fact, Derek Heemsbergen, Embryon on the Boards. You may remember me from such shows as uh, Random Encounter and Rhythm Encounter, and I uh, do things on RPG Fan. Hi, how's it going? Great, Derek. We're very glad to have you back. People have been requesting it for a while, so we delivered. Derek has <laughs> come down from the heavens to rejoin us. Also joining us today is my current co-host. Would that be me this time? That would be you. I'm Caitlin Argeros, Lee and Cazaro on the boards, and um, I like music. You do like I think that sums it up. Yes. Also joining us today is my other co-host who has stolen his position. Did I steal it? Well, Did you I were perennial guest, and then you just upgraded yourself. So I, we just, we're just rolling with it. Well, is there a name for, like, third host? Like a tri-host or something? Co-co-host? Co-co-host. You could be okay. co-co-host. I'm Coco Host. I'm Mike. Mike on the boards. <laughs> and what is happening right now? Last but not least is your favorite rager. Yeah, if if I sound a little sick, it's because uh, my malaria has been acting up. Uh, Robert Stein oh and Robbie on the boards, host of Random Encounter. Whoa, where have you been? <laughs> oh, well, let me tell we'll you, get Caitlin. You, we'll get you caught up on that one, Caitlin. Rob, Rob hates Far Cry 2 and fun. Uh, anyways. Oh, wow, I, so, I, I'm not doing this right now. <laughs> Since he hates one have, of those things. Yes, he hates one of those two things. I do hate fun. It's true. Well, Steven, you don't like Far Cry 4, so I think, that's what you know, that's, 2 plus 2. That's what brought it up, actually. Well, but we're not going to get into this. We're, we're talking we'll, about we'll, music. Yeah, today. we'll get into this on Random Encounter, where we talk about RPGs. Uh, so <laughs> since we have such Wait, a Isn't Shadow of Mordor an RPG? Didn't we agree on that? Shadow of Mordor is not an RPG, Dave. I love you, but it's not. Since we have such a huge cast of people coming today, uh, we're going to be breaking it up into segments like last year. Uh, Mike, Caitlin, and myself will not be doing our picks today. This is the Derek and Rob show. So, Woo. God help us all. God help us all. <laughs> Derek, you've got some experience doing this. Take it away. Yeah, so I have more tracks than Stephen told me to bring today because um, I respect my authority. I don't really know what else to say. So in the the first block here, I've got two tracks um, interspersed with one of Rob's whatever. I don't care what he picked. It probably sucks. It's probably from Dark Souls or something. Um, so I picked the the trailer theme from Final Fantasy 15. It's uh, going by the fan title name of Gratia Mundi, but as far as I know, it's just the TGS trailer theme. Uh, it's really cool. It's a track by Yoko Shimomura, and then Rob followed that up with. Uh, well, I, you, you kind of got me, Derek. Uh, I chose Majula from, uh, Dark Souls 2, so that's the, uh... Of course you did! <laughs> that's the, uh, main theme from the kind of hub starting area of the game. And then, Derek, you got one more for us? 
Yes, and uh, after we come out of the darkest of dark souls, we're going to wander into the Maze of Life special mix from Persona Q's Shadow of the Labyrinth uh, arrangement CD. This is just a, a different remix of the title theme, or, you know, like the main theme song for Persona Q, which is super catchy. That wonderful song that we sang at E3. Yep. All right, then. Gentlemen and lady, let's get started. We've got the Final Fantasy 15 TGS trailer theme, Majula from Dark Souls 2, and Maze of Life special mix. Majula.
15 theme. I, I don't know if it's going to be the main theme or not, but it is the one that we've heard. I think it's been in a couple of different trailers now, but 
or at least in that one, maybe it's just the most memorable to me. But when I heard that main melody start up with the piano and the violin, I think that was the first time that I really felt like Final Fantasy XV was real. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Yeah. for so long, it's just been that that almost tech demo, that CG trailer that didn't really amount to anything. And there was some footage that was really early, and you could tell that it wasn't going to be the final game as it was going to play. But when we saw that trailer, it was all coming together, and I was like, this looks like a real game. And the music augmented that for me. So I'm, I'm excited for Final Fantasy XV, obviously. And I'm, I, Yokoshima Shima is amazing, so I can't wait to see what other kind of stuff she pulls out. I agree with everything Derek just said. Yeah, I think Derek nailed it. it this is the moment where Final Fantasy XV felt real. I mean, I, I, we've joked on Random Encounter over and over again. We, we saw the first hints of Final Fantasy versus thirteen when I was in college. So I was actually in my college dorm room watching an E3 presentation for that game and now I'm like married and I have a house and a career but this now feels like the game is real it, it's really going to happen it's really coming we're actually going to be playing it somewhat soon I mean it, it's exciting and when was the last time we were all really excited about a traditional Final Fantasy game we were all excited about 14 obviously but this is now it's time to get excited for Final Fantasy 15 and this this track kind of sets the tone for it absolutely I, I really like the part in the middle when it starts, like, in the trailer, it's when it starts showing them actually wandering the world, when it's like, I don't, I don't know if the word's like a waltz or whatever, but it just, I love, like, the sort of back and forth of that song. We, we played it yeah, a couple episodes kinda, ago, but, yeah. It's kind of waltzy. And it's just, I love that, that just, that pace of it, and it just, it has such a sense of adventure that I always, this, it makes me think Final Fantasy, absolutely. I had to go and rip a YouTube video of that back when it. <laughs> first came out and I, I put it on my phone and I was listening to it nonstop. I think I Twitter exploded about it too. I was like, oh my god, it's Final Fantasy fifteen music for real. For, like for the first time. Yes. So. I think I had it's a coming. similar Twitter explosion. Cool. Speaking of cool, uh Majula. <laughs> Majula. 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 The Majula Oblongata. Yeah, I know. Eric, Who <laughs> Yes! Excellent. I, I hate both of you. Who would have thought that uh, I would have brought a Dark Souls track to uh, to Rhythm Encounter? Um, I am so shocked. I know. You it's a Dark it's Souls shocking. Track last year too. I, I'm shocked to find that there's gambling in this establishment. Um, see, the young kids won't get that one. Uh, Majula, <laughs> as a track, is like the first piece of music that I heard for Dark Souls Two, and. I think it really shows what Dark Souls needs to do now that we also have Bloodborne coming out so soon after Dark Souls 2. Majula doesn't feel like anything from Demon Souls or Dark Souls. They could have just rehashed Firelink Shrine again, like a similar type of heavy violin music tone that's very somber. And Firelink Shrine is actually very overbearing. Like, the second you get there, that first, like, note hits you like a gut punch. And it makes you feel like you're you're in this world. Majula is actually very subtle and very somber. Like, that, those first couple chords kind of suck you in. And you feel that world. And you feel a very somber, almost childlike tone. Which kind of plays into the Emerald Herald and maybe a little bit of her backstory. But then the rest of the tracks in Dark Souls 2 don't have any of that they yeah, all they, feel very what's that they lose a lot of personality like yes i really feel like this song it, it for me i i love firelink shrine and i think it captures that sort of vibe that firelink shrine succeeds in doing where it's like you know this is one of the only places in the entire game where you know something insane is not going to happen to you and i like that this sort of has its own flavor which a lot of dark souls too i feel like sort of didn't it was yeah, just like that- 
hey, here's more stuff in the Dark Souls engine. I mean, and and that's very endemic of the entire problem of Dark Souls 2. It has similar environments, it has similar bosses, it has similar enemies. But Majula feels like the one time they kind of branched out a little bit. And there's a couple other areas in the game and a couple enemies that I really like. So what I really hope is like, now that they've made Dark Souls 2.0, like they made a, a game just like Dark Souls, now just embrace what you've done and embrace your own sense of style with it. Don't just try to recreate what Miyazaki's doing because first off, I think that guy's nuts and his nightmares frighten me. But like, embrace your own thing. Like, if you want to make it more high fantasy, go ahead and do it. Like, you don't have to make it grungy. You don't have to make it, you know, uh, you don't have to put a, a damn Sith fight in the middle of the game, only it's a giant rat instead of a wolf. Like, embrace their own thing and really try something. And I, I hope Maybe it's kind of silly to pick a music track to show that, but I really feel like Majula shows that off. No, I totally I agree. Like Soundtracks we can disconnect from the games themselves. Unlimited Saga. So it's easy, even though I didn't play, I didn't even play Dark Souls 2, but I appreciated the track. It's At, at the very beginning, I was like, is this a Harry Potter theme cover? But uh, it's not. It's just, it's got kind of the ethereal foresty feeling to it. And I, I could immediately tell that it was uh, Motoraba, but it doesn't sound like everything he always does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, every track in Dark Souls Two sounds like they're just trying to redo Orstein and Smo, which really pisses me off. Because like, they didn't have to do that. I love Nito's music in Dark Souls One because it's just like oh, that terrifying, was, that was weird and terrifying. Yeah, like it's it's just grungy, it's nasty, it's dark. And who would have thought? And the rest of Dark Souls Two just didn't. It just didn't feel like they had the sense to do their own thing. So maybe. It's kind of my hope that Majula was one of the last things that they created for the game, and maybe they'll they'll have a little bit more confidence with it. They kind of have to at this point, considering we have two games that are now so similar. They, Unless From Software wants to pull an armored core on us again, they really need to differentiate between Dark Souls and Bloodborne now. Yeah, I think music is going to be a, an important place to do that, too, because stylistically they are very different. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, Derek, you want to take us into a little Persona Q? Into this wild maze of life. Maze of Life is such an awesome song. It was the first thing that I think... We, we talked about it at some point in the show. But it was the first thing I heard from Persona Q. And it just captures everything I love about Persona 3 and 4's style. Uh, you know, they, they're not exactly the same musically. But, you know, they have sort of a, a, a common through a common thread of, you know, those vocals and sort of the, the high energy thing they have going on. And Maze of Life is just perfect. Like, it, it suits the video really well. And uh, this particular mix of it, I, I actually really like. I thought this was the only mix of the song at first, because this was the one that I actually originally heard. Me too. I think this one has a little bit more of a Persona 4 flavor, if I had to say. It was one or the other. Yeah. But it, it was the first thing that I heard, and I thought it was the singular mix of the song. And so I was a little confused when the uh, the game came out and it was slightly different. Because I think this one's just a little bit more lively. It's pretty much the same thing. Like, it's not really different. But it's just got some, like the intro and lead up is a little bit more uh, energetic, I guess I would say. You're right that but, it's more, you're right it's more Persona 4 than Persona 3, having played a lot of Persona 3 over the summer again. But it, it still feels Persona-like, you know, you, you don't need to know that this is a Persona song. You hear the first couple notes and you're like, oh, it's Persona. I got it. And now the the question becomes, are they going to carry that through into Persona 5? 
how do you make it so that they all meld, or do they maybe just go screw it? We're going to do something completely different. Imagine I do. I do hope that for Persona Five, they actually go in a little bit of a different direction. Mm-hmm. I still want it to be vocalized, but I think that, like at this point, we've had so much Persona Four in particular saturation that I'm really ready for something new, both musically, graphically, everything. Yeah, I want a new cast, a lot of new direction because Persona Four is fantastic. Like it's my highest reviewed game of all time. I think I gave it a 98. So it's, it's, I think Persona 4 Golden is almost a flawless video game. But I think you underrated said, it. <laughs> right? That said, you can be overexposed to something, and Persona 4 is popular for a good reason, but it is everywhere. So Yeah, no, definitely. Um, just yeah. because there's an a RPG and a fighting game and an anime. And two, two anime. And manga, two manga. Oh, breakfast, okay. breakfast cereal. Oh, was there a cereal? Yeah, meat chunks. <laughs> Satonaka approved. I was gonna say Persona Four, the flamethrower. The kids love this one. <laughs> Voiced by Troy Baker. <laughs> because what isn't? What isn't? No, but yeah. I, I agree, Derek. I think it's important for Persona Five to try and separate itself from Persona Four. The way that Persona Four's music was also kind of distinct from Persona Three, and yet kind of still fit into the world of Persona. And that's what I love so much about the soundtrack for Persona Q and this opening song. Having both of the vocalists from P3 and P4 was a great choice. I Absolutely. love it so much. And then to have the different battle themes with those vocalists and have them be both similar but distinct enough to kind of reflect the themes of the soundtracks from their respective games was just sheer brilliance, Yeah, I think. Yeah. I suspect we're going to be hearing a lot of Persona Q music of the year. Oh yeah, I say I, I say I say I suspect, but I have the list of almost everybody's picks here. So I mean, I I, I don't suspect I am physically. It's gonna be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of gonna be there, Rob, what's up next? Uh, what is up next? Uh, if I was going to pick, I think we're gonna take a little journey to West March in Diablo Three Reaper of Souls, a little track that kind of plays during the opening of the game, the main title theme, but also when you're in the town. And then Derek, where are we going after that? I have a two part pick here it's from Danganronpa it's from Danganronpa 2 but I think these same tracks are in the first one as well I just picked it from 2 because that's what I played more recently but these are two songs that pop up when you are in the climactic phase of the trial segments it's Climax Reasoning and Climax Return and then following that Rob had one more well since Derek cheated and uh, picked a game that is uh, not even out and I I don't think it's not cheating cheating. Uh, I I also don't think the game's coming out in 2015 so I think you're really cheating here Um, I decided to pick uh, the cleric beast boss battle from Bloodborne because oh dear god is this just (laughs) one of the nastiest things you've ever heard like I th- what did I call it? Grunge Gregorian chant? Yeah, yeah, have fun with this. This would be good in a Halloween episode. Yes, it would, dude. It is. It is. Let's just keep going. Yes. All right. Well, nothing can stop death, but let's go ahead and take a listen to West March from Diablo 3 for Souls, Climax Reasoning and Return from Danganronpa, and Cleric Thing from Bloodborne. Nothing can stop death except bad writing. Don't steal my quote. It's not out yet. <laughs>
so the Diablo 3 soundtrack is very atmospheric for the most part. Like, I can only remember a few real tracks from it, but it, it's music that when you actually sit down and listen to it, it's gorgeous. It kind of has that problem that the Skyrim soundtrack has and a little bit of Dragon Age Inquisition where it has to fit so many moments, like wh- whether you're like looting corpses or you're in this big battle against a, a super rare enemy or maybe even fighting a boss. So it has to fit a lot of moments. So it kind of has like lulls and, and bridges and it kind of goes up and down. But it's gorgeous. It's really great music. And I usually throw on one of the Diablo soundtracks whenever I'm reading a book. If I like – if I'm having trouble – no, if I'm if I'm having trouble, so like relaxing. well, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it really low. But like, if I'm reading a book and you know the wife wants to watch TV or something, I need I, I can't. Are you saying you read. play Diablo music when you have to hang out with your wife? Yes, a little bit. That's probably very telling. No, it's it, it's I can't read and hear dialogue in the background. Like it it completely screws me up because my brain wants to do two things at once and fails miserably. So music I find very relaxing and. It can really help with my reading. And the Diablo soundtracks, especially Diablo 3, yeah, they, they can maybe be a little too high fantasy for their own good. I kind of like the grungier stuff from Diablo 1, especially like the opening uh, dungeon music where they just have like bones rattling and stuff. But Westmarch really – it establishes a theme for the expansion that I think was maybe lacking a little bit in the original Diablo 3 soundtrack. It's really good stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that's – I actually like the Reaper of Souls soundtrack. Uh, there's a lot of atmospheric stuff, uh, but some of the boss battle themes in particular are great. Um, but I like Westmarch because it does give me a sort of Diablo 2, Diablo 2 Lord of Destruction vibe. I feel like the, they sort of in 3 got a little too much towards the whole like fantasy stuff, like you said. Not that there's a problem with fantasy, but I think for Diablo it was not quite as fitting. Uh, you know, the, There were great character themes for each of the character classes and stuff, but overall I feel like it didn't have that sort of dirty oppressive vibe that Diablo 2 has cuz it's not like Dark Souls where you're like your soul is being crushed but it's like it's like tense gothic horror type thing and i think uh Westmarch does sort of get back to that yeah it's it's really good i like it and again Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls was i think a very uh underrated game this year and it didn't get a lot of love in in many game of the year lists but that's a really good expansion and mm-hmm. Diablo 3 is a very good game now and now it yeah. is a it went from being a good game to a fantastic game yes I'll get back to that i had a co-op campaign of the ps4 version going when it came out and uh we just kind of dropped it for some reason and that reminds me that i've still never seen the reaper of souls stuff and i want to see that the, the last of us riffs and the shadow of the colossus armor oh and stuff. they're so cool I think I'll pick that up when I get a PlayStation 4 just to have something to play with the wife. And I I really want to play that Nemesis system, which is a real shame they haven't brought that over to PC. I really wish they would. That that just feels like Blizzard's being a little stubborn with that one. I think it would really fit with the PC game, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. Derek, talk uh, talk to us about the Doggone Rampas. Doggone Rampa. So the two tracks I picked are actually kind of repetitive, but... They play, like I said, during the class trial segment. So the Danganronpa is a murder mystery series. Well, there's two. I guess we can call it a series. A duology? I don't know. It's a, So they're murder mysteries. And there is a Phoenix Wright-esque class trial where you have to figure out who murdered who. And then at the very end of each trial, there's a segment where you're finally piecing everything together. So it, it lays everything out in a comic book style format. And you're 
taking these little pieces of the mystery and placing them where they go. Like, oh, the killer must have entered the room at this time, and this must have been the weapon that they used at that time. So that the first track, Climax Reasoning, plays when you're figuring everything out finally, and you're like on the precipice of solving the mystery finally. It always pumped me up because <clears throat> I really enjoyed that feeling of being like of being right on the edge of knowing exactly how everything came together. Because I think that one of the coolest parts of Phoenix Wright, for example, is knowing and finally getting those revelations and understanding how things happened, how they did. Because games like 999 Phoenix Wright, Danganronpa, are so good at presenting these mysteries and putting the player in control of solving them. And then when you finally figure out why things happen the way they do, it's like, oh my god, that was so awesome. I'm so proud of myself yeah, for like reasoning that the out. The suspense and the pacing is just, I don't know many games, if any games, that really can touch at least my experience with 999 I haven't had a chance to play Phoenix right yet but like just the way they make you sort of build up to that and musically how they do it in 999 and certainly I could I listening to this um it reminds me of those moments when you're like getting ready to solve major things or you're like pondering the puzzle uh, or you're pondering the mystery mm-hmm. in 999 so, so yeah Dragon is it's very much like that and so the the second track of those two that I picked Climax Return is what plays once you once you put the last piece in and you figure out exactly how the mystery went down the main character narrates everything Uh, he's like all right let's go over it one more time and he narrates how the murder happened from start to finish and that's playing in the background while it's happening and the little comic book panels are animated and it's um it's the main theme of the game the recurring it's the same motif as that coming back in that so it's i think that's a really good one-two punch and i think both of those tracks complement each other so well that it's essential to have them both which is why i put them both in this block it's a really good game like i i wasn't really interested in it because I, I felt like it was a little bit maybe too macabre for me almost because I can get kind of squeamish about weird stuff. And Danganronpa juxtaposes this really bright neon anime style with horrific murdering. And it always made me really, I, I was uncomfortable. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. But I totally sucked into it. And I played all of Danganronpa 2 over like three days. I just marathoned it. So I'd highly, highly recommend it. And the music is a huge part of the experience. So. Really, please do it. It's good. It's good. I need to play that. I, I, I really need to play that. Me too. Okay, show of hands, if your name is Mike Salvato and you haven't played 999, raise your hand. You go... I, well, they, they can't see if I'm raising it or not. Audio podcast. Oh, sorry, my bad. Mike, you have to go play 999 before you're allowed to play Danganronpa. Yeah, seriously, that, I'm uh, now offended. Yeah. I'm now offended. Okay, I've please started wait. it. I just haven't finished it. Yeah, and then you'll play mm-hmm. Virtue's Last Reward and be like, say what? I, would say, I honestly, I think that that and Danganronpa are on the same level in terms of how surprising some of the twists are and how they really take you on a ride. Did you like one it's, or two more? Um, I remember, I actually I remember agreeing with you that Virtue's Last Reward had weaker puzzles that felt less organic. I'd say the story in Virtue's Last Reward I probably liked better just because it was larger scale and I liked being able to pick anywhere I wanted to in the chronological in the tree. Yeah. I think you're you have convinced me that I own both of these games, uh Danganronpa one and two, and like I keep sitting down and going, I gotta play this because I'm like saying to myself every time. I sat down and played nine nine nine, I was like, Oh, this is so tropey, I don't want to play it, everyone's gonna kill each other and then it became, you know, me messaging you via text like, Oh my god, it's amazing. I think I figured it out, but I didn't. Oh, I think I figured it out now. So uh-huh. I feel like that's why I have not gotten rid of these games because I'm sitting here going, I know I am just on the edge of this precipice and then I'll play it and then I won't be able to put them down. You know, what you can do is there is a, there's an anime of the first game that, that's the entire first game's events and I actually think it's well done. It does speed through a little bit because like the investigation segments where you're trying to figure out what happened, um, they kind of 
spend most of the time in the anime going about the talking or doing the trial segments more than anything. Mm. But it's it's worth it. And I actually didn't play the first game. I just watched the anime and I like it's the same thing. I looked into it and then I watched all of it in one sitting. So you could do that theoretically. I mean, it's probably better to play the game, but if you're impatient, you could watch the anime and then play the second game, like I did. Good to know. Anyway, moving on. Yes, moving Rob, on. Rob, what was your other? Rob. Is everybody, is everybody scared? I don't know. I'm something. I'm terrified. It was creepy. Yeah. I had to pick that one. So the, the Cleric Beast boss fight from uh, Bloodborne. So we're we're at E3 and we're getting the Bloodborne demo and we're watching it and I'm like, oh, this is this is really cool. Like this this is excellent. The art design's crazy. And then the boss shows up. And I was with Kyle the first time I saw it, and I was just like, Kyle, how do I describe that in a preview? Like that that is like a beast with like feathers and fur, and I think it hates me, and oh dear God, I don't want to be here anymore. And the music fits that perfectly Uh, it fits the boss fight it's nasty it's dirty it sounds like somebody just came along and scratched the hell out of a record it's just awesome it really sets the tone for the game which is a really nasty dirty world based around you know evil blood like contamination it really has this black plague feel to it and i think that that's that's so different than demon souls and dark souls which were kind of high fantasy and I think that's one of the reasons I'm so excited for Bloodborne because it feels different. It feels like something new and exciting. Yeah, like, you know, you've yelled at me about 50 times for me saying I'm not as excited about it as you. But recently I have gotten a lot more excited about it um, because I think I had to have enough time to decide why I don't like Dark Souls 2. And it's because it's boring and a repeat of the first game but not as inspired. Whereas Bloodborne feels like here is a set of mechanics that are derived from Dark Souls but not copied carbon like wholesale um but we're trying to do something new with those mechanics as opposed to we're just going to have you run through a new area with the same mechanics uh i mean what watching people play the alpha for bloodborne on youtube like watching a bunch of those videos it actually really pissed me off because like everybody's just not using the target lock or they're not using the dash and like when you watch somebody from the development team actually play bloodborne that's what they're doing like they're playing the game almost like it's a on the floor version of zone of the enders like they're dashing in and dashing out and like getting one hit in backing off and so the mechanics are just wildly different even though it looks like dark souls it doesn't seem to play that way and that goes with their health mechanic that goes with the type of enemies that you're fighting it's almost like Miyazaki said, you know what? I can't do the same game again. Like, Dark Souls was sure. very similar to Demon Souls. But I think he kind of got the message. I can't do it all again. I got to do something new. And, man, everything I've seen for that game just screams new, mostly from the setting. And I, and that's why I chose this song, because this doesn't sound like anything from Dark Souls or Demon Souls. Like, And it fits the boss perfectly, much the same way that... So many of the best tracks in Dark Souls fit the boss perfectly well. Like, they, they just made you feel like you were in that boss's room. A lot of tracks from Dark Souls 2, they use the same track for multiple bosses. How is the boss supposed to feel u- unique and new if you use the same track over and because over again? some of them use them. different swords, Rob. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know what I, I liked? Have you guys heard um, Two Steps from Hell? Yes. No. Okay. Thank you. They do. Um. 
like movie I, I think specifically they do like trailer music movie trailer music and then a few years ago they started releasing their own their stuff on albums but it's all really kind of big epic well it's movie trailer stuff but this kind of sounded like some of their music but you know a little like harder and darker but it, I don't know if you haven't heard their stuff you should listen to them because if you like this you might kind of like their stuff too. yeah I think that is a good comparison they, they, awesome they used um one of their tracks was used for was it Mass Effect 2 or 3 one of the Mass Both. Effect trailers that's how Both I heard about actually. them I, was say, okay. I, I know Liz likes them right well, I love that's how I found out about them because Liz knew their song from the trailer. Yeah, I I, I w- had a hard time picking between this or the uh, trailer reveal for Bloodborne that was at E3, which kind of had the the very like female vocal overtone on it and like the the really heavy horns. But I, I chose this one just because of how gnarly it sounds. Gnarly is a good word for that. <laughs> gnarly. It is just nasty. I love it. You just feel dirty, like you need a shower. I feel like all of your picks have well, been really dirty, nasty today. I don't think Westmarch was dirty. I don't think Majula was dirty. Like they, those are in quote dirty games, okay. I guess. All right, maybe but... not dirty. I will say dark. dark. Yeah, who would have thought, it's right? Dark. Well, and I had a hard time selecting music this year. Um, you know, it, there weren't a lot of RPGs that I was really big into, and the ones that I were. They didn't have that distinctive music that I was really looking for, so it, it it was it was really tough to make selections this year. Like I didn't even know if I was going to make it onto the show because I was like, Stephen, I really got nothing. Like, what do you want me to do here? And then you thought about it and you brought stuff because Rob supports the arts. I do, I do. <laughs> I also support Derek Arcade. announcing our next track. Cool, I can do that. My first pick in this block is. Actually, three, still cheating like crazy. I don't know how I got through the SATs. But it's a mega mix kind of of the Stella battle theme from Atelier Shally Alchemist of the Dusk Sea. Dusk Sea, I can't talk. It is, I think it's, uh, because there are two protagonists in the game. Both are named Shally. I think this is the one whose full name is Shalistera's battle theme. It's called Stella, and there's three of them. Same melody, different instrumentation. Rob? I almost want to keep this track uh, a secret, but I, I kind of get the rules of the show, so i got to say what it is. But it's the uh, South Park Stick of Truth uh, Elf Battle Theme, which is so amazing because it could be used in any fantasy game. And I think it's actually better than most of the stuff that you'll hear in Skyrim, Oblivion, or, or any kind of medieval fantasy RPG. And it's making fun of it in a way. But I just I had to include this because it's just awesome. It's, it's sort of the definition of, like, you can sat- satirize something, but don't satirize it by doing it poorly. And I think they do it really well. I thought you were going to pick the song that Jimmy sings. Yeah, I was going that's, to pick that, but dirty. I, it's a little too dirty and okay. I will giggle myself stupid if we play it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to stop playing the game for a minute and just like pause myself. Well, you can pause yourself and Derek can announce the last track in the block. Yes, it is the song for today. It is from the Final Fantasy XI Seekers of Adelin soundtrack plus. It's a really long title, but the uh, the Final Fantasy XI, uh, well, the Final Fantasy XI. It's fifth expansion, Seekers of Adelin, just wrapped up its storyline this year. Uh, it was a few months ago. Well, I say this year, it's whatever, 2014. I don't know where I am, when I am. I'm in Chrono Trigger, like Lavos is popping out of the ground right now. Yeah, so it's the the ending theme for the Seekers of Adeline expansion pack. It is actually a ballad sung by Mika Kobayashi, and it's I just thought it was just really nice, high quality, like extremely well produced track. And it was surprising to me that they went all out with this um, 
for the expansion of a game that is not as popular as it used to be, and also I feel like a lot of people aren't even going to get to the ending of it. So um, it's just a really nice track, and uh, it I feel like it's good enough to be in a mainline Final Fantasy game, so hope you enjoy that. Awesome. Well, then let's go ahead and take a listen to Derek's Stella Mega Mix, the Elf Battle theme from South Park Stick of Truth, and Forever Today from Seekers of Adeline.
that's Stella Mega Mix. Like I said before the track, the progression is my favorite part of those. And um, I'm totally just spitballing. I have no idea because I haven't played the game yet. But in typical Atelier series fashion, these, these tend to be stories about personal growth. Um, the overarching narrative isn't always like a really big world-spanning adventure, epic conspiracy kind of thing. It's always just very character-driven. And this this particular character, Shalastera, is on a journey to find out why her homeland is dying and she wants to save her village, basically. So I see progression musically that I think is probably going to reflect her, her growth as a character because the tracks start fairly... Well, they're all, they're all pretty high tempo, but their instrumentation is a lot lighter in the very beginning. And by, you, by the time you get to the third Stella, but it's guitar, it's heavy, but it still retains that same piano motif in the middle that I think is really nice. Steven, I, said, I know you said you liked oh, it. Oh, I adored it. Um, you know, in the first, I really liked, like the sort of peppy vibe it had in the first movement of it. Um, the flute that picks up in it and the violin. I actually wrote, I took the time in my notes to write violin and then less than three, less than three, less than three, so I could have little hearts on the screen uh, because I liked the violin so much. Um, when the second movement starts and in the third one, um, like the really punchy percu- percussion that's going along with the guitar, uh, piano solo in two and three are amazing. Uh, and then right around 3.15, like, actually, at the end I wrote the guitar and piano, good L-A-W-D. Good loud. Uh, I endured all three of these. They're fantastic. Yeah, really I think stuff. these are some of the strongest battle themes of any Atelier game so far. I almost bought this soundtrack while we were listening to it. Yeah, you know, uh, and again, this is probably inaccurate, but I sort of, like, in my head, I always think of Tales games and Atelier games, like, together, because there are a lot of both of them, but, you know, every time we play Atelier music, I'm like, oh, that's right, these games have amazing music. And I know, you know, not everyone dislikes Tales music, but and there's, there's some great Tales music out there, but I would say, in general, what I've heard from every Atelier game is a just a little bit more inspired than what I hear in a lot of Tales games. And so I always forget that I need to not conflate those things in my head uh, because this is just fantastic. Yep. Good choice. Yes. I'm glad you thought so. This is now another game on my list of my must-play because the music is awesome. Oh, because it's awesome. It's a long loss, because my backlog is huge. So then we move on to uh, South Park, the Stick of Truth, and the Elf Battle theme. So this is when you're taking your main character through uh, the land of South Park, and you probably have Butters at your side, and he's healing you as a paladin. Oh, it's okay there, little buddy. I was just trying it out. And you're, like, beating these kids dressed up like elves, but the music plays it straight. The music plays it like it's a high fantasy adventure. If you told me that this soundtrack came from The Witcher 3, I'd probably believe you. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the joke so damn funny. It's like all these kids are like hitting each other with garden hoses and like cardboard swords They're and stuff, but the music of water plays. And using a car battery to electrocute them. Yeah, but the music plays it perfectly. The music makes it feel like. This is the soundtrack that's going on in these kids' heads. It's kind of similar to the uh, the episode of South Park where they have all the the ninja weapons, hey, and they, hey, they play that awesome. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yes, and I'm glad you didn't keep going with that. <laughs> uh, per- no, no, <laughs> no, please keep going. But it, it, it's so good because by 
by having the joke play in that manner, it just keeps hitting constantly. And that game just gets funnier and funnier the more I play it. But that track just stuck with me as this could be in Skyrim, this could be in The Witcher, this could be in Dragon Age. And yet it's in South Park. And how awesome is that? I agree with you there. And I think the reason, and I have nothing but high praise for that game. It's so creative. But the thing is, the game really understands that you cannot have satire. You can't satirize something and then do it poorly. Like, I always quote, you know, I love Scrubs. There's an episode of season six of Scrubs where they, they make fun of, you know, how some shows will do like a clip show when they're late in the series because they're out of ideas and they just play back old pratfalls and stuff. Scrubs goes, it's so lame when sitcoms do that. It's so dumb. And then they do it. And that that's not funny. That's just stupid and obnoxious. And, you know, South Park is about satire. But by doing this fantasy thing well and having all these really creative situations that, like, you know, you really believe that these kids are, like, you know, playing elves and Dungeons and Dragons, the, having music that is well put together really helps the satire hit a little harder and be a little funnier because it's like yeah this is like serious fantasy music yep really good yep. stuff I love it Sarah took me by surprise it was not yeah, at all I was, what I was expecting to hear that's what I was going to say too yeah you yeah. expect to hear Primus and instead you get this really awesome like high adventure soundtrack yeah. I was expecting to hear awesome when it comes to forever today though uh, I am astounded that they pulled out the stops to do a vocal theme for a game that very few people are probably going to finish, like Derek said. Uh, you know, the singing was great. Um, and again, I just can't stress that it's like, that's a really, you know, I'm sure it wasn't this thing that, you know, costed zillions of dollars for them to do, but it's still like, that's really cool because that says to me, you know, there are players that still play that game and probably still love it. Uh, you know, people that go back to finish and, you know, I like that they're rewarding them musically with that. You know, it's not just Final Fantasy XIV that gets the vocal theme. Right. Yeah, because <clears throat> I think that because Naoshi Mizuda has been doing the music Final Fantasy XI since pretty much the beginning. Um, Uematsu did some of the early, but but Mizuda pretty much took over. And I think that his music has gotten a little samey, but uh, this particular is like, wow. It, it, it's really, it stands far above I think a lot of the other stuff that you're hearing in the game at this time. I thought the Adeline soundtrack as a whole was, was pretty good, but uh, this song is, is is really nice. And the, the vocalist Mika Kobayashi is currently really popular. She did the, um, the one of the main theme, not the intro theme, but one of the insert songs, whatever you want to call it, for Kill the Kill, the anime. It's uh, Ryuko's theme before my body is dry. And then she also did something for Attack on Titan. Um, I can't remember what it is, but she she's she's really big in anime right now so she's not like some no-name vocalist that they got in here and, and obviously i mean regardless of what how well known she is her voice is fantastic so um yes this reminded me a, a lot of the ps1 era final fantasy theme songs eyes on mm -hmm. me and melodies of life yeah yeah, yeah. so that's, this actually, that's why I like it reminded me of the closing song from star ocean 3 um uh, the bird who forgot how to fly oh, has right. that. It has a very similar kind of feel, and th they have very similar vocals. I think between the two of them, um, that sort of uh, jazzy kind of uh, sound of their voices. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which was like it's, yay. It seems a little bit. It's, it reminds me of some um, 
like a little bit more antiquated or a little bit more of a classic feeling than a lot of pop, like poppy mm-hmm. anime and or game scenes that are coming out right now. And that's what I like about it so much because it, it does, it feels like, I already said this, it feels like something that would have come out maybe in the really late 90s, early 2000s more than something that's out now. So I like that. I think it gives it a unique flavor space in the, in the industry right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Whatever, yeah. in the market. And it probably works for a game that, when did 11 come out? A while ago. Originally? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was in came, high school. I don't remember. I was in middle school. Oh my God. Yeah. There you go. It was it was uh, a good 14, 15 years ago. I don't know. I remember getting really excited to buy a PlayStation hard drive and play it on a PlayStation 2. I remember that. Not 14. Memories. It was a while ago. But yeah, I also got that. And I have, I have great memories of FF11. I have infuriating memory of FF11, but uh, good ones as well. And I think that this is a really fitting cap to that experience. I don't know if they're going to add any more expansions to the game from here on. Last I knew, they were doing some additional lore mission, not missions, but like quests that expanded the lore of the current game. But uh, this could very well be the last expansion for the game. And if so, they did, they closed it with a great song. Agreed. Speaking of closings, we are on our final block for this segment. Uh, woohoo! woo-hoo! Rob, what do we got first? Uh, so I chose the Dragon Age Inquisition main theme. So this is the theme that plays at the title screen, and it's used at a particularly cool moment in the game right before you get some uh, some cool unlockable stuff. And uh, yeah, I chose it because I, I found it to be the most distinct piece of music in Dragon Age Inquisition, which has a great soundtrack overall, but I honestly couldn't hum anything from the game except for this piece. Yeah, very Western RPG vibe in that, you know. That's how I feel so far. It's atmospheric, but... And then, uh, Derek, the last one, you're taking us out. Yes, the very last track. It wouldn't be a Derek pick if there wasn't at least one Falcom track in here. So I picked Blue Destination. It's from uh, The Legend of Heroes, Sen no Kiseki 2. It is a song that uses a motif from Sen no Kiseki 1. Still haven't played these games. Um, interestingly enough, Exceed actually just registered a domain name for Trails in the Cold Steel, which is a pretty close translation, uh, I don't know how what you want. It's not like a direct translation, but basically people are equating it to Sen no Kiseki. So it would be interesting if they decided to bring that over and skip some of the other games that are in between, but we could very well be seeing that soon, and if so, you will hear this music. So, Blue Destination. Yes, and uh, our listener, Red, is going to be a big fan of that because this is one of the tracks he sent me to listen to, Music of the Year. So, our final block for Derek and Rob, we've got the main theme from Dragon Age Inquisition and Blue Destination from The Legend of Heroes, Sen no Kiseki.
So I think Dragon Age Inquisition kind of suffers a little bit from some of the Western RPG, like more kind of music that's just in the background and very ethereal, and it doesn't really play into a lot of what's happening. But the main theme for Dragon Age is really, really good, much the same way as like, you know, Dovahkiin from Skyrim really gets you pumped up and ready to go. This gets me in the mood to play Dragon Age. When this comes on and you get that initial title screen, you know the world you're going to enter, you remember that you're going into Thetis, and I really, really like that aspect of this track. Yeah. Well, I would... Thank you. I would argue that maybe the music that plays when you're just, you know, moseying around adventuring kind of fades into the background, but a lot of the cutscene music is really powerful. Like, um, when you start the Inquisition or when you finally get to Skyhold, that's some really good epic music music there. And Cassandra's Uh story mission is really great too. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah. That sticks with you, what so. I really like about this song, because I actually think Inquisition has a great soundtrack, much better than your average Western RPG, like in terms of identifying songs. Uh, and part of it is because uh, the composer Trevor Morris worked this main theme into a lot of the songs, which is something I love that a lot of JRPGs do. Uh, you know, Yokoshi Memori does it all the time in King Hearts. And uh, it's looking like, you know, what's been released from Final Fantasy XV is sort of similar. Um, and so what I like about this song is that this really is sort of the main theme and like emphasis on the theme part of it. This is throughout the game. Even in little tiny jingles, you'll get notes of this song. Uh, I think it, I, I love this song. I think it's fantastic. And it actually is a song that you hear at some point in the game during a very emotional uh, cutscene. It, it's literally a song that has lyrics and everything, and apparently it's known by a lot of people in Thetis because everyone starts kind of singing it. Yep, which was, I just... I had to sit through that cutscene three times because my game glitched all three times. <laughs> Me too. And you were you were so grateful, weren't you? Because you no, I that actually song three times. I, I think Stephen will actually remember. I raged like no one's business at that moment because you can't skip that cutscene. Oh, he was mad. Yep, mine glitched too at the same point. Oh, <laughs> I. There are two things that gaming needs to do from now on, and so many games get it right that when it doesn't happen, it drives me up a wall. I need to be able to skip any cutscene, and I need to be able to pause any cutscene. That that just, that needs to be a given now with video games. Like, it's not funny and not cute anymore to be, like, watching this long cutscene to be into it, and then life happens, you know, I don't know, some kid in the dorm decides that they're going to start playing with knives, and I need to go deal with that. If I can't pause the cutscene, like, are you serious right now? It is 2014. Why can't I do that? And then when you can't skip a cutscene? Mm. Mm. It's funny playing Final Fantasy X HD again, and I ran into that several times. It was like, oh yeah, this was before cutscene. Pausing and skipping was a thing. I, th- I think Xenoblade, uh, not Xenoblade, Xenosaga was one of the first games I remember where I could pause a cutscene. Well, thank, thank God. God. And, I was like, yeah. thank- and I was like, good, I get to go to the bathroom. I can probably go get a little weight training in, come back, pick up where I was, keep going with the 40-minute long cutscene. Nice. Which was fine. I was yep. fine with that. But, oh, but yeah, it yeah. needed the option to pause, thank God. Yeah. 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 Uh, give me the option to Before pause. Metal Gear style, please. would you like to save? You have another four hours left. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Never I could, if I get a save moment in the middle of a cutscene, I'm like, oh, You know God, what, though? I'm Let's real. be honest. That's the style of game he wanted, and at least they gave you the thing yeah. you needed. Like, that was a thing that was necessary in Metal Gear 4. It yep. was much more welcome in Metal Gear Solid 3, though, from a perspective. 
All right, Derek, bring us home. Yep, Blue Destination is the track that I picked from Sen no Kiseki 2. This reuses the motif from the Decisive Collision, which was a track in Sen no Kiseki 1. I actually played that, yeah, on a previous episode. So, so hey, back. Uh, it's it's a little bit more of a low-tempo, synthy, techno-y version. Uh, I'd, I'd say almost trancey. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's... I don't have any really particular thoughts about it in context because obviously I haven't played the game, won't for a long time most likely, but it has that that Legend of Heroes, I guess, signature style where you can tell that this is a theme that plays against an important person or happens at a climactic story moment. Um, I just think it's a, a nice track to listen to. Really? Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't have a whole lot of specific commentary. I like the piano in it. It's got. A, it's got. And I say this every time we play a Falcom song. It reminds me of Falcom. Uh, but I really like the piano in this one and the sort of really high tempo percussion in the background. Um, sort of makes me feel like I should be running. Yeah, it'd be a good workout song. Derek, need to stop yeah. picking songs from games that I can't play in English yet because I want to play them in English. And I can't. Hey, you're studying Jeff. Yeah, well, yeah, there's that. I could try. I could. But I want other people to play them, too. People who don't know a word of Japanese, because they're awesome. Yeah, I would like it for everybody to be able to play those. Yeah. Well, awesome. Derek and Rob, thank you for bringing your picks to Music of the Year. You guys helped us ring in the second annual celebration of music from 2014. Well, this is the second annual celebration of music, and it is from 2014. Uh, I was, like I said, I'm glad we got the entire Once in Future podcast crew uh, here to do this. Um, so we're going to be coming, we're going to be doing like we did last year. Uh, we'll be moving from segment to segment. So uh, I have not yet decided who's up next. So I'm not going to announce it. I'm just going to say, everybody, thanks for listening, and stay tuned, because there's way, way, way more coming.
Alright, and now we're coming back in, and tonight we have the entire RPG family. I have successfully gathered all of the world leaders in one place so that we can launch a surgical airstrike and take us all out at once. Joining me tonight, we have a returning guest from last year's Music of the Year. We have Mac from RP Gamer. Hi, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back, thanks for joining us. We also have, for the first time ever, Zach Reese from RPG Site. Hello, hello, hello. Also joining us is another newcomer from RPG Fan this time. We have Mike Solosi, who, for the sake of our sanity, we're going to call Solosi tonight, because we brought many mics. <laughs> it's yep, appropriate. I'm the last and probably the least of the mics that you'll be hearing from today. <laughs> and also joining us, continuing along, is myself and my co-co-host. Mike. Oh, I'm, co I'm still co-co-host? Yes, you're co-co-host. Okay. Mm. So we're going to do... Uh, co-co-host. Coco-host. Mmm, delicious. Delicious <laughs> host. I'm going to edit his staff edit page to just say Coco-host. Oh. <laughs> so let's go ahead and dive right into some music. Uh, I believe, Mac, you have our first pick of the evening. Yes, I do. The first pick that I chose was from is from Dragon Age Inquisition, and I picked Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts. I thought this was one of the better Dragon Age pieces, so... I wanted to share this one as far as my first choice for the day. Excellent. And then I think Zach had the next one. Yes. Yes. I chose Sky of Twilight from Atelier, Esca, and Lodgy, or Atelier, as it were. Being a huge fan of Gus's music, I wanted to make sure I chose a track that meant a lot uh, to the context of the story, and I really enjoyed this track, so hope you guys like it as well. Excellent. And then Solosi, the last one. Right. I picked the title theme from A Bird's Story, composed by Can Gao. It is a really beautiful, sad theme in a beautiful, sad game. Fantastic. Well, for our first block, then, we got Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts, Sky of Twilight, and Title Theme.
So what I really like about Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts is uh, you guys all pointed out when we were listening to it, like it has that cello that uh, I think Zach you mentioned that that's that's a lot more common in like Western RPG music. I, I feel yeah. like I do sort of hear that. I guess this, maybe it's like the European fantasy sound that is just so consistent with that. Yeah, it's like the deep tones. They kind of like that more the the more of the uh, wind instruments and things like that. It just it, it's it it, it, it kind of builds the tension more. They're more about tension. It feels like with Western RPGs. That's one of the reasons I chose this piece too, is because I thought it built more tension than a lot of um, non-intro themes. It seems like a lot of the Western RPGs, you know, the intro or the title screens, the one where you get all the build up and everything too. So, in picking something from Dragon Age, this was one of the first Dragon Age soundtracks that I actually found music that I really enjoyed from. So. Uh, Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts was one of the biggest standouts, like you say, just from where it starts at the cello till about, you know, it gets about three minutes in or two and a half minutes in and just really starts building up. I just love that whole dramatic build up towards the end, too. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the, like, you know, I don't know that I could hum you the melody of any Dragon Age Inquisition song except maybe the main theme, but I feel like while the while I'm playing the game, I absolutely love the tracks that play during the story missions. Uh, they're just... They really capture that sort of drama because it's, it's a very serious game. Like I think there's a, a good sense of humor, but I feel like it is overall a pretty like drama llama type game when you're in the story missions. Yeah. Well, there's that yeah. one time was I think it's like a song about the Inquisition. I forget the name of the track. I think it's something like that where that woman is singing like she's like yeah. starting to like do like this chant, and it's that was a great song as well. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. uh, it's um, oh, it's it, it's the uh, sort of. The priestess that's in, that's with yeah. your group for most of the time. She sings a hymn to sort of uh, lift everyone's spirits. And and that's a, that's a great scene. But the, <laughs> yeah. um, the back to the song at hand. Uh, I thought it was really great. I I mean I was I was pleasantly surprised by the cello, which is not a, a voice I'm used to hearing in this kind of song. And like you guys were alluding to before, Dragon Age music doesn't really try to like give you a bright, catchy melody to latch onto. It's more about atmosphere and just and just a background that messes with tension and emotion a little bit, but uh, that w- that was a great track. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it builds up to the violence towards the end, and you're really starting to get into it. Like, man, I'm I'm pumped. I'm, this is good. Yeah. And overall, the soundtrack, like you said, you know, it may be one of the better Western style soundtracks for these type of RPGs for Bioware stuff. Outside of maybe some in Mass Effect Three, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite soundtrack of the year. But this one was one of my favorite pieces from it easily. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This, I think the Mass Effect was just like that one when you went to the the map. That was like my only track I remember the <laughs> oh, most. That's from a that. wonderful song. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it makes you want to fly in space. Bioware is not always the music that I turn to, but yeah, that Dragon Age Inquisition song track is very good for sure. Definitely. Speaking of really good, I, I mentioned this t- yesterday when we recorded with some other RPG fan editors, and I'm going to say it again now. I feel like I've made a mistake not playing enough Atelier games because the music is amazing. <laughs> It's fantastic, and so the song I chose um, was Sky of Twilight, and so that is actually the um, second to last boss in the game. Uh, that's when that song plays, and it's pretty amazing just because um, up until that point, it, the music was kind of what you'd expect. It's, it's, uh, it was more just to fit the mood, but then the way that battle starts, it's that the boss comes down, and then you just... It kind of starts turning, like running around the party, and then the music starts building and building, and then all of a sudden it just lets loose with that guitar riff that just starts playing. And like first time I heard that, I was like, "Oh my god, this is the boss music! What?" <laughs> and then it's like, "Gust, you guys, 
you guys know how to like build up the tension towards the end of a game. It's incredible. And then that song is over six minutes long and that just keeps going. There's no loop. There's nothing. It just keeps going and going. And all that time, it's easily like the hardest boss in the main story. And so you're trying to think out how to plan, like st- do a strategy while you're fighting this boss. And then this music's playing in the background and you're like, like just this tingly sensation of like goosebumps everywhere trying to listen to this song while trying to like you're in a panic mode trying to keep your party alive while just being your face melting listen to this guitar riff and Kanako Ito's uh, singing who uh, oh, yeah she's an amazing singer and I only learned about when I reviewed like a sister a few years ago which is a dungeon crawler and she sings the opening song for that I had no idea who she was until then and so hearing her again I'm like I know this. I, I've heard this person before, and it was. I love this. I love this track. It's 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 the uh, the Escalante soundtrack. There's not a lot of really good tracks in it. It's kind of all fades into the back, and uh, there's nothing really that really stands out. But songs like this one is is definitely my, what makes it really good at that point. Yeah, I, I really love when you get, especially at the end of like a JRPG, you get a vocal theme as one of the final boss themes. Like I yes. think. Uh, Wild Arms 4 and 5, I think, did that, and they were, like, yes. some of the coolest songs because it just gets you, you know, it, it sort of plays on the strengths that those have. Like, if you're going to hire a singer like that and sing one of these, you know, not necessarily a J-pop theme song, but if you're going to sing a theme song, use it thematically, and using it like that is just so exciting. I'll <laughs> agree with Steven on one thing, too, is I really need to listen and t- listen to and play more of the Atelier games because... If you hadn't told me what this was from and I was listening to it completely out of context, I think the biggest compliment I can give it is it reminds me of something off of like an Ease game and like yep. an intro theme or yeah. something from that, just the way it starts rocking in there. And it really, it really was awesome. Yeah, you mentioned that it sounded sort of like an intro theme. I, I'm like Steve, and my experience with the Atelier series is limited. But I, listening to this is like, oh, is this an opening theme? Is this a just like a soaring anthem for the whole game. I waited six minutes. Oh, no, it's changing again. It's it's a really busy song that goes through a lot of different phrases and different notes, and it's really interesting and cool throughout. I, um, I Again, I think it's it's the way that you were so enthusiastically describing it, Zach. It's probably... <laughs> yes, enha- it's, it's probably... It's probably enhanced with context, which makes me much more interested in maybe trying out one of these Atelier games again. Yeah, I, it's... I, I've it's, only played one of the PS2 ones, and that's it. Oh, there's, it's, so there's that track, the final boss, and even the credit song. They're all as good as that song, and so that's that's what kind of carried it through to the end, and that's what the JRPGs tend to do good is, you know, finish up the game pretty strong, even if the middle part might have been not as great. So, <laughs> <laughs> great, great beginning and finale. It's yeah, great. no, that's they, they always deliver at least with those. They tend to anyway. Speaking of great beginnings. Uh, the title theme from Bird Story. We were joking about how that sort of came out out of nowhere. Like, you know, it was Kanga was like, right. "Hey, my game is out in a week." I adored the To the Moon soundtrack, and I haven't had a chance to really listen to too much from a Bird Story yet. I have a copy of the game, and I keep meaning to sit down and play it because I, I heard it's like sad. Like that game is sad. The entire game is sad. You, it's yeah. uh, total playtime is maybe under three hours, maybe under two hours. Just like To the Moon, basically. Yeah, but it's um, it's really beautiful and like depressing in a way that makes you glad you're listening to it not depressing in a way that makes you upset that you haven't even played it and uh the opening is has this um it's like a melancholy Mega Man 2 
because it's like scrolling. <laughs> it's it's scrolling up. It's Is scrolling it going up the tower. Up, yeah, you're going scrolling up a tower with this with this music playing, and then it focuses on the main character, sort of looking off into the distance. And <laughs> uh, and uh, you and uh, I mean, it's the song that plays when you um, boot up the game, and it really it sets the tone beautifully for this uh, sad, beautiful game that is totally worth your time. I Before recording here, I was just seeing how much the soundtrack costs. It's $3 on Bandcamp, mm. which Nuts. is about how, which is totally worth it. Support your beloved artists. Yes, please. No, it was good and sad, and it, just like To the Moon, it just has, it seems like the game is built around the soundtrack, I'd say, because everything about his music is just so emotional, and it seems like it captures the games just to a T. But Melancholy Mega Man sounds like a great fan fiction. <laughs> I read Melancholy Mega Man. Of course, I think they made that. It's called Mega Man X, but... Oh, snap! Mega Man Legends 3. <laughs> oh, that's, that's too <laughs> melancholy. Now I'm just sad. Or a good meme. Melancholy Mega Man. <laughs> Start seeing posts of so I, I just looked, I just looked it up the uh, bird story the soundtrack is also on steam itself so you can also buy it there oh awesome sure yeah Got you who out. does the um is it tpr that does the melancholy tributes yeah Phoenix yeah Phoenix. maybe he should do a Mega Man 2 one <sighs> he just well if he sure did it would basically thing. sound just like a bird story <laughs> yeah so i need to give zach a high five uh for many reasons but most notably oh. at the moment for him picking the next track from a game that is actually going to be my game of the year, I think. But uh, I ah. love the music from this game. So, Zach, hit us. Yes. So, I my next my next track that I chose was from Divinity Original Sin, which up until earlier this year was in early access and finally was released during early access. They didn't really have much music in there. There might have been like a track here and there that you could hear. But clearly the soundtrack wasn't complete yet. And so when that game finally came back out, I think it was this past summer, they injected it with all this amazing, amazing music that um, every single track in that game you could listen to even outside of context, and it sounded incredible. Uh, The specific song I chose was uh, Bittersweet Regrets, which is one of the town songs that they play when you go back into town and... It's a fantastic song for sure. Yeah, I, that game now has a ton of music in it, and I just like I'll be playing the game with my friend. Like we're playing a co-op campaign, and just every other song, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Oh, this is fantastic. I feel like, I'm, oh, my favorite song's playing. Wait, no, this is, like <laughs> a lot of variety. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And speaking of variety, we are going to go to Salosi for the next track, which is definitely. A 180 from Divinity Original Sin. <laughs> yes, this is uh, the next track in the block is Pink Snart Sniper, Pink Sniper from Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, which is a fighting game that is probably not very many people's game of the year, but it's a very fun, catchy song that I have listened to many times going running and at the gym. <laughs> so it's <laughs> definitely in my in my head, and I'm glad to share it with you soon. Excellent. And then Mac for the final pick of the block kind of reversing things again and <laughs> it it seems like a lot of the music this year was either from games that I didn't really care for but love the music or there was a game that I loved but only loved like one or two pieces from and Child of Light is where my next pick comes from and it's Little Girl Jen and that piece it was hard to pick just one out of this soundtrack because so much of that was just very good overall. It's one I can just sit and listen to just as a calm, you know, relaxing soundtrack. And none of them really stood out as being the best in the, you know, 
overall, but I think this one's the one I listen to most, so that's why I decided to go with Little Girl Jen. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a listen to Bittersweet Regrets, Pink Sniper, and Little Girl Jen.
So I, you know, we've played a couple of Divinity tracks on Rhythm Encounter before, but uh, I just cannot get enough of this game soundtrack. It's, you know, Zach sort of mentioned it before we were listening, but it's just, you know, for a game that I did not even know existed at the beginning of the year, that it's now not only my game of the year, but one of my top picks for a soundtrack. I just... There's so much heart and so many interesting instruments, uh, and it's not all European fantasy sounds either. There's some like crazy like stuff that sounds almost like out of a Deus Ex game. Uh, but Bittersweet Regrets is one of my favorite town themes. Uh, it's just everything about this song I love. Yeah, it's I myself I learned about this game because I actually did a preview for it at E3 like a year or two ago, and so. Um, obviously at that time they were just showing gameplay not music or anything it was like more like proof of concept at that time but like listening to that soundtrack it's pretty amazing just because the music flows very nice from like the regular music you hear all the way into the battle music and then back out um, with Bittersweet Regrets it's it's one of those songs that you could just close your eyes and listen to and get like in a really good mood for and it's the, probably the best music to hear when you're coming back from like a long journey of fighting and then you hear this song when you get back into town you're like oh this is this is a great way to like wind myself down and it's it's good to just kind of turn the game on and just sit there and just listen to the music it's 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 definitely one of the best tracks i mean there's the soundtrack is full of amazing tracks this is just one of them but it's probably my favorite just because of how um it, it just leaves you a very good warm feeling inside listening to it especially with like the soft uh guitar picking and all that it's it felt good and then it kind of builds up somewhere around the middle and then continues on like that it's it's just it, it never stays at one point and that's what i think i like the most about it it keeps kind of evolving a little bit throughout the track yeah i agree warm is a great way to describe it too i really like that yeah. it was very pretty sort of minimalist but in a, in a good way not overproduced it, it makes me want to explore that whole soundtrack, which I, I know nothing of the Divinity series in general, but that was a really nice tune. Well, yeah, I mean, the soundtrack itself uses a lot of tracks from the other Divinity games, like Beyond Divinity and Divine Divinity. Um, but that. there are some, yeah, it, 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 they recycle, but they tend to, like, make some changes to it. Like, it's not all just, like, a copy and paste job, but there are plenty of original tracks in it as well, including this one that I really enjoyed. Yeah, this was fantastic. I love just the calmness of that piece. Like you said, you say it's just a town theme when you come back to town. Yeah. At one of the places. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Just, yeah. uh, It just brings back memories of games that I haven't even played. <laughs> it just feels so natural. It's just nostalgia. And, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's not the only one either. I mean, they don't stick to one single town theme. There's several inside when you oh, come okay. back to town, and it, it just keeps changing. There's, like... Uh, nice. Yeah, like like he said, it's it's that there's the soundtrack is huge, and so just being able to just sit there and going from one song to the next, and it's kind of all fits that same mood, and that's like I said, that's my favorite of the bunch. But um, there's just a lot of really good music. People should really check it out. Yeah, the uh, the official release is actually much shorter than the actual in-game soundtrack. But if you go on YouTube, you can definitely you can hear a ton of it. But uh, it's yeah. There's some editing in the actual in-game soundtrack for sure. They take they take out some, like I know there's one track where they took out like wind instruments and stuff like that from the actual song itself that I didn't realize. But yeah, mm. wonderful stuff. Absolutely. And then uh, Pink Sniper, you guys actually <laughs> had a great way of describing this song because first of all, it's it's quite a 
Quite a shift from uh, bittersweet regrets. 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 Mowage. Mowage. You wascoey wabbit. <laughs> no, uh, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, I stepped away for a second, but uh, you guys were saying this is uh, Yukari's theme, right, in Ultimax? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and for those of you that haven't played Ultimax, it's uh, two years after the events of Persona 3, and Yukari is a college student who does some, like, actress and model work on the side. And so for the game, she's dressed as pink uh, Phoenix Ranger Featherman R. So she's the pink ranger <laughs> armed with a Power Ranger-style bow, and this is the, her theme song when she is in the second player position, or if you're fighting her in story mode. And, uh, man, it is so catchy, and I love dat sex. I, and that is, that is 85% of the reason why I put it up here. Dat sex. It's got that signature Persona sound that you really like. Just, like, guitar riffs, some piano, some, uh, trump, like, uh, some trumpet, all this stuff. It, it just all wrapped into a single track, and it's really good. I, I agree. And also, I should mention, the other songs on the Persona 4 Arena soundtrack can sort of blend together a little bit, because it's, they, they you know play with similar melodies, and there's a lot of guitar, and there's always sort of a danceable four on the floor. But this one breaks it up a little bit, because there's this um, sort of fun saxophone and strings out of nowhere that's not really like any other song on the album. And uh, yeah, and I, I listen to it when I go running all the time. Persona music is great running music, isn't it? Like, it is. oh, it's, my, it's great. I have like I have this really specific playlist I set up for when I run, and I have to change it like monthly. But I always use like a final boss track for the end of my run because I usually sprint at the end, and I always end up using like <laughs> yep. the Genesis or the Almighty or something from Four. And I'm like, that's actually I was gonna say the Almighty is my track of choice when I go running oh, or biking. Just that that song. It's but, so good. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's a lot of Persona Four Arena and a lot of like Super Meat Boy. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, just the the hammer, like hammer home, like Super yeah. Meat Boy, just nonstop pounding yeah, and, and, your head against that, the paper. In that game, you are getting chased often, so I'm usually just it, getting it fits dead. more with. Yeah, yeah. That's and then the last track we listened to, uh, I'm a big fan of the Child of Light soundtrack. I really, really like it. It's, it's. I mean, I hate to cop out and say it sounds like it has heart, but that is honestly what I get when I hear it. Like, between the visuals and the audio, it's like this almost storybook quality. Uh, it's very... I don't want to say delicate, because like especially the battle theme is really sort of awesome. But it's I, it's... I can't really articulate it. I just... I really like the Child of Light soundtrack, and that track in particular is one yeah, of the ones that I much like, like a lot. Yeah, much like the game itself, you kind of mentioned the whole fairy tale feel that the game yeah. gives just from its art style to its story to its music it all just fits that flowing uh, even the combat you know like you said the battle themes are a little more action focused and not as delicate but they still have this nice flow to them that really i had never heard of the artist who had done this before I, i'm not sure if um, been involved in other stuff or not but just the whole music every bit of music from the soundtrack just really really is great to listen to if you're just in a mood to relax and you know sometimes i'll just put it on when cooking just to kind of calm down and <laughs> relax at the end of a day or something like that so it's, it's great that's a good theme for an episode music to cook to oh but <laughs> themes now no but yeah like it's so <laughs> uh, her name is uh, beatrice martin and i'm probably saying it wrong because it's french um and it's good the pirate right 
Zola we'll Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so this is the first time she had worked on a game. She had actually done some other other uh, solo work uh, prior to that, which is all great. If you like the Child of Light sound, uh, all of her music is really great, and her vocals are especially good too. Um, but I highly recommend all of her work, not just the Child of Light soundtrack. Yeah, I, I think you really were onto something when you said there was a delicateness to it, even though you know the events of the game aren't really necessarily delicate. But uh, <laughs> uh, Girl, the pirate, the pirate has a sort of a fragility to her voice that makes that I don't know. It adds a, another layer of soulfulness, soulfulness to the music that it, that really resonated with me. I I, uh, I mean I love this soundtrack. For me, it's that I felt like. And this is kind of what I brought up when we listened to it, is that I felt like the piano itself is kind of an underrated instrument, at least with modern uh, games, just because it seems to fade in the background a lot, of, a lot, and you don't hear it that strongly. And in that track, you can definitely hear it, and it's, it really, as you said, it brings kind of a somber tone to the, to, the, to the game. And I remember listening to it when I was playing it, and just like, yeah, like, like Mac was talking about, just kind of just soaking it all in when you were listening to it and just really get into the to that mood and to that flow that the game was trying to deliver. That's a Yeah, that's an awesome way to describe it. I think that's exactly what it succeeds at doing. Speaking of Child of Light, oh. Slosey, uh, what's oh. up next? Transition. Right? You call that a segue, you can use that. Yeah. The first song of the third block is Off to Sleep from the Child of Light soundtrack. It is the end credits theme, and oh. next is... Light the Fire Up in the Night, Woo! which, uh, bringing back the Persona, the, it's actually the uh, the battle music that plays in Persona Q, the Persona 4 side, the version. Uh, there's two versions, Persona 3, Persona 4. I chose the Persona 4 side. Um because it wisely it brings out the rap more. <laughs> I I disagree, but we will talk about that later. Oh, he's throwing down <laughs> the gauntlet here. Yeah, I did. I'm not going to put up much of a fight anyway. It just will agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> and then the last track, Mac, I believe oh. it's you. Yeah, I almost feel dirty picking this one, but the music <laughs> is great, even if I didn't care for the game anyway. I agree whatsoever. completely. Um, Noel and Yule, Pact of the Light from Lightning Returns. Now game itself say with say what you may wasn't a fan tried it multiple times whatever not talking about the game the music still has some fantastic stuff and this piece is one of my favorites from there that wasn't kind of a reused piece they did reuse a few pieces from or a few songs actually from the 13 2 soundtrack i believe if i'm remembering correctly Is the chuckle uh, metal song in it <laughs> <laughs> if you listen if you, yeah if you listen all, all the way to the end of this one, it slowly transitions into Crazy Chocobo. So. Oh. <laughs> nice. Like that. I was just joking, but I didn't know. I'm going to really. make it do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, then. Coming up, we've got Off to Sleep, Light the Fire Up in the Night, P4 version, and Nolan Yule, Packed in the Light.
So one of the things I really like about Off to Sleep, and we talked about this when we were talking about Little Girl Jen, I just really love the vocals in that song and just sort of the piano. It, the song has this feeling of, like, fullness, I guess, is, is the best way to maybe put it. Um, that just, I really like how that sort of accompanies the end of that game, because it is sort of a somber game. And I think that's just... It, it is. That even the title of the track, I think, is very fitting. Yeah, I mean, without going into spoilers, there's sort of a an ending and a new beginning that uh, is occurring as the song is playing. And uh, just, like, with the whole context of the events of the game and what's happening during the credits and how beautiful that song is and that the sort of vulnerability of Beatrice Martin while she's singing, it it really just hits some emotional notes and it's a really beautiful song. And I really hope that she continues making game music because I would, I would be very interested to hear more from her. Yeah, I would like her to come along for Child of Light too because I'm sure that'll be a thing. I think they were talking about it, weren't they? About doing a sequel? I think so. Said it did well enough to... Yeah, warrant you know, one or something. One, but... I mean, they're definitely going to play more with that UbiArt engine, which oh, yeah. uh, darn well um, better. Yeah, no which, what was the what was that World War One game that was? Valiant Hearts, and yeah, I Valiant played, Hearts. I beat that recently, and that was a heck of experience. And the music in that game was great as well. And so the whole Ubisoft Ubisoft knows how to put a team together. The, yeah, the music well, in, in their game tends to be really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I sort of love what they're doing now because they're making their money with these. Uh, with Yearly you know Assassin's big Creed budget, games. yeah, with Assassin's Creed and Far Cry, and then you know just to generate some goodwill, they're spending a little bit of time into these really beautiful sh- smaller games made in UbiArt that can be made about as fast as you can create assets for them. And, yeah, intentionally putting small teams yeah. together to make these projects and yeah. try to light, keep yeah. that up too. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah, really more than I like, especially I like, if we get yeah. uh, Martin singing more for us. Yeah, up, up to sleep. I like how it builds up, and then there's that harmony towards the end where they have like uh, other seniors, co- all the backup seniors come in, and oh yeah, it just as you said, it's a very fulfilling feeling when you listen to that song. Um, I have not beaten Child of Light, so I don't know the context of where things are at at the end of that game, but I can t- kind of tell where things are at, and it's I, I just really like listening to that song for sure. That was my first time hearing that song, so I really enjoyed it. Me too. I hated it. What am I talking about? <laughs> Come back in. Oh, it was a terrible track. Too. Terrible. You jerk. It was, just, it was too good. I can't handle it. It's too good. It's too good. I, I'm going to blow up here. Speaking of t- things that are too good, light the fire up in the night. Yes. Gosh, that, that song. Oh. I, I'm playing that game, and I feel like every time I get into a battle, I'm just singing the words as I'm fighting. I'm like, I've fought this beetle 400 times. Light the fire up in the night. <laughs> it builds up. And I think this that is, guy comes this... in and do 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 and just... <laughs> it is Lotus Juice returning, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Because he's totally worth it. Yeah. He's <laughs> absolutely. Like, worth I saw him when they did the Persona Live, and the guy's like in like in his forties or something like that, and just he's up there and like dressed as like a teenager and just, just rapping and like laughing your ass off. But no, I, I, I love the automatopoeia you were just delivering because like his um, rapping is almost like just a percussion instrument on its own, like it's fantastic. It's Fantastic, great, and it makes about as much sense as trying to figure out the English. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's the rapping, it's the classic, the vintage Persona sound that is in that battle song. It's it's a battle theme. You hear it a lot, and it obviously you don't want a battle song that you're going to get like sick and tired of hearing just after a few times. It's like that and the FOE theme from that game 
is among like just great and like you would expect that from that group and then like the ties to it's and odyssey as well like um that game's those that series is a music a great music all this time and like you hope that they deliver here like they always have been with persona and just it's it compares to persona 4's battle music that i i really enjoy as well and i think I think I might put this slightly above Persona 4's, but that's probably because I heard Whoa. I played about 100 hours Persona 4 and heard that music so much that I burned out on it. Maybe I'll, who knows how this will go, but I'm really liking Persona Q's uh, soundtracks, but especially this song. There's a lot of great and stuff we, towards the end of it, too. Yeah. And we should mention that, um, we've mentioned this before the block played, there's two versions of Light the Fire Up in the Night. There's the P3 side and the P4 side. This is the P4 side that we just listened to. And I like the P3 version a little better. Uh, it has a little bit more guitar and less brass, and it has a different vocalist, mostly because I think the, I like the, the singer a little better for the P3 version. It's but, obviously uh, but, but, they're trying to go for the signature of the certain game that it's supposed to represent. Yes. And that's, yeah, it's Persona 3 soundtrack was obviously more rock, especially the, the last song that plays in that game in Persona 3, and then go to Persona 4. Yeah, more pop, more brass. Sure. Yeah, we were talking last night a little bit when we were recording with some other editors like about how I'm actually really interested to see what they do with 5, because stylistically I feel like yes. they're probably going to go, Where can they go in a different direction, yeah. but it's like, what direction do they go in? Do they do like grunge? I am, I am fascinated by just the thought of what the music for 5 will be. I think we should, when the OST for 5 drops, we should put 5 different reviews out for it. Because, <laughs> oh. One for each person Because I, I, I am... I, I will be so sad if Persona 5 ends up being disappointing. Speaking of games that have a lot of incidental audio. <laughs> Is that how you're going to put it? <laughs> okay. That's, that's one good way to phrase it. put down almost. I, I, you know, I, I hate to make it sound like a put down. There's a lot of atmospheric stuff in Lightning Returns. Uh, and I think it, it does suit that game. But there's also a lot of, we were talking about, again, about this last night. But there's a lot of really fantastic music in that game. And this is, you know, I don't know. I've only beaten about half of... 13 too, so I don't really know what the deal with Nolan Yule is or anything like that. Uh, but I do like this song quite a bit. Yeah, the reason I chose this one isn't so much of anything that happens within the game. I've been listening to the soundtrack mostly outside of it, and the few points during the game that uh, I don't really even want to mention the game just because I feel like it, <laughs> both all the lightning and 13 stuff's been talked to death. But the music I want to do, I do want to celebrate because this piece it just brings that calmness to things and it's got kind of a dark undertone I love the whole kind of minor sound that it has at times and it just really really has a nice flow to it um, everything about this though the the soundtrack has to be one of the highlights of all the 13 games so you know with the exception of some chocobo themes that we may or may not mention <laughs> the best Shredding guitars, I, I put that Chocobo theme up there it, with the Mansion Basement song from Resident Evil Director's Cut. It's just like, what is happening? How did I get here? Yeah. How did we get here? <laughs> I think I overlooked this song in the game, because I haven't finished Lightning Returns, but I got to this the point where I think this plays, and I don't really like exactly what they did with the story without spoiling it, yeah. but I do like this track a lot. Because yeah, from... it is based on Noel's theme from... 13.2, which is one of my favorite tracks. Oh, okay. And it's hard to really do anything to kind of match the quality of the soundtrack, I think, with that story. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't want sad. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you don't end up with an entire album of uh, 
uh, Final Fantasy X to Chocobo theme. You you really don't like that <laughs> song. That's the techno. Game. I it's so I I like Crazy Chocobo more than I like Ten Two's Chocobo theme. <laughs> I I say a lot. I was yeah. coming from like Max side. It's like I there's pretty much like many of the modern Final Fantasies I have a big problem with. But like I can never really say a bad thing about the music. Like I'll say bad things about eight, ten, twelve, thirteen, and all those Left games. But, nine, thank you. Uh, Nine, I love yes. nine because that's why I love nine. <laughs> I hate eight, ten. Welcome on the show anytime. <laughs> but the I can never say anything bad about the soundtracks to this game because eight has an amazing soundtrack. Ten, twelve, thirteen, thirteen, two, Lightning Returns. Yeah. I've listened to those soundtracks and I. It's hard to say anything bad about those because they're so good. And uh, you know, it's it's I can't knock about that. It's you know I put in the game itself aside and the story and the characters. It's like at least. Uh, my favorite music is the kind you can listen to out of context and away from like you can put it on a on your playlist and just listen to it and I do agree. Yeah, Lightning Returns. I've not played the game but I've listened to the soundtrack and that I I've not actually once again, I actually have not heard that song before. I must have skipped it before, but it's it's really good. I like the the, the just the once again it's the tonality of it that I really enjoyed too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, there are a few yeah. others on that soundtrack too, if you haven't checked out. Um mm-hmm. Like I say, one of them is kind of a replay of Noel's theme. They've got him on there. They've got the, I believe, the Savior's theme is what it's called. It's a, a good one. That's oh, on there. yeah. A lot of the vocal tracks that are on there are, are really good and stand out. More so than some of the other uh, the other two parts of the Final Fantasy thirteen trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not played any game in the Final Fantasy thirteen trilogy, but all the music I've heard is excellent. Mm-hmm. That song's gorgeous. Uh, only vocals and piano. But super pretty. Kind of makes me want to play it, but then I realize it's three games, then I have plenty of other stuff to play. Yeah, you have plenty of other stuff yeah. to play. Just yeah, play the I second do. one. Well, I mean, like, isn't 13-2's, like, Shimamura did the soundtrack to 13-2? Um, she didn't Yoko, do 13-2. She... It was a, a couple no. of composers. Uh, Masashi Hamauzu, uh, uh, Naoshi Mizuta, and... Um, I'm blanking on the third, but uh, that's that's why it has such an interesting soundtrack. I think because it's it's sort of eclectic, but it works in the context of that game, and outside the context of the game, it definitely works. Because the only reason I eventually played that game was because the soundtrack is fantastic. Oh, my <laughs> mistake. Yeah, I was I was thinking of she's doing the music for Final Fantasy 15 in Kingdom Hearts three. Oh I forgot God. about oh that. Oh my goodness, that's yes. I messed that up. But yeah, that. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for the music in that game, too. Oh, me neither. She's wonderful. She, is she coming back for uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X? No. Uh, Hiroyuki Sa- oh, Sawano okay. is doing that. Who is... That's actually, no, This the composer for Kill a Kill yep. is doing the music for that game. Yeah, his first huh. video game uh, soundtrack. Yeah, so that'll be did uh, Kill a Kill, also did um, uh, Attack on Titan. Uh, great composer. Yeah. Just, I do you know hope he's assisted by Ace Plus, though. You know who, yes. yeah, for Xenoblade, correct, but you know who did the opening theme for Attack on Titan? Uh, Revo. Yeah, Sound Horizon. Yep. Oh, if, you're, if you're a Bravely we'll, Default we'll get to hi- We'll get to him very soon. Yes, very soon. Wink, wink, wink. wink. For our final block, gentlemen, we are here. I am not even going to attempt to pronounce the name of this track, so Zach, it's Russian. good luck. <laughs> good luck to you, Zach. Mpa Noviari Fenjian. It's it's Russian. It's awesome. from Arno Serge. <laughs> well done. Um, it's it's yeah. I, I All tried right. well just rehearsed. by by line reading. It's what works. But that is it's actually the track that plays during the prologue when you start the game. Um, the fact that Siono Serge, uh, which was only released in Japan, which was mostly like 
kind of like a dating sim kind of game. It wasn't really an RPG. Um, was only out in Japan, but a lot of stuff happened in that game apparently. So trying to play Arno Surge, which is the sequel, um, without any of the story to know what's going on. It it's supposed to kind of you know set it up for the game itself. And even if you didn't play it, there's it's it's definitely one of the best. There's a lot of great tracks on that soundtrack, but I love this one a lot. Excellent. And then, Mac, your final pick from another great game. Yes. Oh, Equally man. hard this... to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll try this. This year has been kind of a transition year for me as far as music picks Boom. go. Because transition year. If... Boom. Yeah. Nailed transition. It. Transition. Oh, oh, okay. You could turn a phrase. Yeah. I know. Uh. Now, the reason it has, because it seems like most of the games that I've listened to their soundtracks over and over have been Western developed. You know, Child of Light was one of my early picks. I uh, picked a piece from Dragon Age. You know, there were a few other soundtracks like Bravely Default, which I'm sure we'll get into, and uh, Dragon Guard 3, which I know you all covered some last year. And I just wanted to. I had a hard time not picking, you know, The Silence is Mine, but I figured it probably had been done a few times already. Yep, so we, we, oh, don't worry, we have yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, one. and I didn't want to. I wanted to pick final song too, and it's like seven plus minutes. So I figured <laughs> uh, spare, spare you a little time on this. Uh, so my pick, final pick, and probably my favorite uh, song from the entire year is "Paper Boats" from Transistor. Um, this is the kind of the ending theme of the game. I'm a big fan of Darren Corbin and Ashley Barrett. The music they did in Bastion, awesome. outstanding. Love her, you know. Just her vocals are amazing. And while I think the overall soundtrack might have been a little bigger and maybe not as strong as Bastion for me, the vocal pieces in this game are outstanding from, you know, all we, uh, we all become, you know, the spine, circles, just all those. But Paper Boats is probably the one that stood out to me the most and probably my favorite piece of the year. Excellent. And then Salozzi. What are we taking us out with? We are going to end this block of Music of the Year picks with Wicked Flight from Bravely Default. It is a late-game boss music, and it absolutely rocks ass. So enjoy that. <laughs> I had no qualms I had no qualms about putting an eight-minute song in this block, so Ugh. maybe you might truncate that for your listeners. Uh, listen, the listeners have but, spoken numerous times. They want the full track. All right. This, this is actually uh, when we our ending song for music of the year last year. I picked the song that we took the whole thing out with, and it was the live version of this song. Um, okay, we, I adore this song. So let's go ahead and listen to our final block. We've got Mpien Vari Fenjang, Paper Boats, and Wicked Flight. Защити мою душу, а 
of the things I love most about the Arno Surge soundtrack, other than the fact that I know nothing about the game, uh, <laughs> is that it makes me want to play the game. Uh, you know, again, is this, this is Sound Team Gust, right? Yeah, that's the thing. It's that it's yet another Gust song. Now, my two favorite composing groups, it's Falcom, of course, this Falcom Sound Team and Gust, because I've been listening to the Gust music for years and years as an RPG fan. And this year, they really delivered for me uh, with two great soundtracks with Atelier, Eska, and Lodgy and Arno Surge. And so in uh, Arno Surge's soundtrack, there's a lot of vocal tracks, as you'd expect, being kind of a uh, spiritual successor to the Artinelico series. I, I don't know if this was just because of the American version, but in Artinelico 3, which I covered for my site, um, it didn't seem like there was a lot of vocal tracks, or at least the ones that you had to listen to. You had to go to like a menu and listen to it. Um, in this, they really bring it front and center, and you can really like hear a lot of that music. Like I said, this is the this is how the game starts. You know, there's text going across the screen telling you about the story. About the basic plot setup is that I don't know if I do, do, should I spoil it. I don't know. It's it's the, the whole story is about them trying to create a new planet for themselves after being thrown out into space, and so it's they try to build this up and. The other game, Seal No Surge, was like dozens of hours long, so trying to fit that into what is essentially like a few minutes of exposition. Um, the music, though, uh, you could feel it, like the emotion. And it's all uh, written by Orga, uh, who's a famous compo- oh, uh, singer in Japan, who uh, a, Ru- a Russian singer uh, who does most of her music in Japan, uh, who did a lot of music for Ghost in the Shell. So fans of like Standalone Complex and... Uh, solid state society uh, might recognize the voice. Uh, she's saying a lot of the opening songs for that, like Inner Universe and uh, Arise. And so, well, not Arise. Um, so hearing her voice again, and she hasn't really done much in like 10 years. And so hearing her, she did a lot of the lyrics for this game. Um, there's other songs in this game that are have Russian lyrics in them as well that she wrote. Um, especially this track, though. I could have chosen like this one, the final boss theme in that game is incredible. Oh, man, that song. It's long, it's it it flows, it's like it really gets your blood pumping, it's really like bombastic. It it's play. all about spectacle. It's just way over the top and you really feel for it. But this this song really sets the tone for the game and I love it. They use it in the prologue. There's another place you go to later where they play it again, but that's that's kind of it. It doesn't like continue on like that. Um, I just love this song and it, the way it builds up to a crescendo with her just going off and then everyone joining in for like this big song it it was a uh, a fantastic track and i um i can't get enough of this song like i'll I'll never get tired of it i think you said it quite well i you know again haven't played the i haven't played the game but i really sort of like i've listened to the soundtrack so many times and have like it's one of those situations where you hear it and like I'm sort of imagining what could possibly be going on to warrant this incredibly detailed, complex, and in many cases, like, epic music. Uh, and, you know, like, like like you were saying with the Final Boss song, too. Like, I heard it, and I went onto YouTube. I was like, I have to see the Final Boss of this game. I, could, oh. I couldn't find it, because I just desperately want to see what goes with this music, because it's so distinctive and interesting and good. There's, there's so many tracks like that in that game. That one, and there's other tracks... Um, like uh, spread around inside of that. That's great. I mean, the game itself um, doesn't really get that 
the the right this the main overall plot's not that good. Um, the, but there's been parts of that story that are fantastic. But the I can never say enough good things about the soundtrack for sure. Like uh, I'll keep talking praises for it. It's one of the best ones I've heard in years, honestly. Most definitely. I have I don't know a thing about Artelico or Arno Surge, and but that song was gorgeous. They the the vocals were so pretty. And uh, the mood was so sort of somber and beautiful. It, it it makes me want to get into more games that I have no time for. Yeah. <laughs> RPGs, which is you know perfect. Yeah, we picked a rough genre to be big fans of, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's harder and harder to be an adult that likes RPGs. Oh, no more summer vacations oh. for us. Oh no, I'm sad. No. Speaking of summer vacations oh. and bad segues, paper boats. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, don't sink, don't sink the segue. <laughs> yeah, no, you made the segue oh. better by admitting by admitting it was bad right at the beginning. Let me put this down on paper. See, honesty sounds great, right? <laughs> yeah, the reason I picked this one out of all the others, you know, we were kind of talking during the break. A lot of the vocals on this uh, soundtrack are fantastic. Um, the spine, I know Zach, you were wanting to run that one and yep. kind of bounced it out for this and. Either of those could have been great for this, but um, I think Paper Boats really kind of hits home what I think the game was trying for as far as emotion goes. Whether, you know, we kind of debated during the break too that whether the story itself really lives up to, you know, what they were trying in this case. I feel like Paper Boats is the one thing they did right, and if they had hit that, you know, note for the rest of the story, it could have really hit home. It wasn't as emotional. Um, it is, you know, I'm not don't want to spoil how everything ends with this, but you know, if you look back to Bastion, there was a lot of personal ties to the to the music in that game, especially the vocal pieces and how it played into the story. You know, build a wall and things like that. They had meaning, and I feel like this is one of the pieces too that really had meaning outside of just a a set piece for the game, and it was just so emotional and how it builds up you know the first time that you hear the the chorus oh yeah you know there's no instrument no instrumentation below it and then the second time it just brings in all the instrumentation at the same time and just really kind of builds from there and then it goes to the bridge and just comes back yeah i just absolutely love this could listen to it over and over and over inside or outside the game even if you hadn't played transistor listen to this piece and just love it that song really grooves. It, hmm. uh, I mean, it, uh, it's not really quite funk, but it has just a, a, a real, like, I mean, it, a real, the syncopated rhythm and just sort of the flow of the song just um, really made me, you know, search for the layers of it, and I, I love listening to it. That, that's an amazing song. Absolutely. Just fits. It's like fits with modern music in a in a very strong way. It's kind of like a little bit garage, a little bit um, modern pop rock kind of stuff. It's the the music itself is a nice fusion. But I I really enjoy the soundtrack of that. And Bastion, of course, can't talk enough about how good that stuff gets. Especially uh, the the credits music in Bastion, I love to this day. And so here yeah. in Transistor soundtrack. Um, I've I've yet to play Transistor. I'm kind of saving myself for when I could experience the music. It sounds like, as you said, uh, I'm probably not going to get as much of an emotional in, uh, punch 
as I did in Bastion by listening to the music beforehand. But um, oh, I know by listening to it in context. But um, from just that alone, and from uh, as I mentioned, as Max said, I was going to put the spine in. I've heard a few of the tracks from that, and uh, you can't go wrong with this stuff. It's just too good. It's too good. I, I love what uh, Supergiant Games. Uh, put so much emphasis on the music itself helping to tell the story and that's what you know part of the thing I love about RPGs is that they put so much focus on story about characters but also the music and so uh, they've done a really good job in trying to capture that same uh, uh, demand for a uh, music that can fill a void or tell a story or um, provide a message where words fail at and so I, I think that transition transistor um, just from at least from hearing the music itself I am very uh, very in, in, uh, engaged with what they are trying to deliver with that absolutely I think definitely like you know I, you know I, I, I've said you know I'm, I like tr transistor you know it's not my favorite thing in the world but one thing I really love about Supergiant is the amount of time they put into the craft of their game into the way it looks and sounds and the way it all sort of fits together as an experience. Their games are very much experiences, and, you know, even if I'm not a fan of a certain aspect of Transistor, the fact is that I do remember Transistor very well, and will, because it's so distinctive, and a big part of that is its music. And just the... Yeah, doesn't Transistor have, like, a dedicated button you press to hum, just to listen to music? <laughs> yep. That's insane, yeah. like, why did they think about this before? So interesting. Just... It's... Yeah, just... Do... Just doing a little bit of background research, um, Darren Korb can, uh, describe his musical score as old world electronic post rock and RPG fans Bridget Choi described it as a fusion of electronic music and trip hop which trip -hop. I, I, I don't know uh, I mean I don't like getting into putting things in boxes and categorizing uh, too like over much but just thinking about what this soundtrack is and that <laughs> those are the weird places you have to go to try and classify it is interesting on its own and it's, it's a really fascinating soundtrack that even if you have issues with the game, I think it's hard to deny how, how you know, fully realized and interesting the music is in Transistor. Exactly. Speaking of fully realized, I, Wicked... Can you... Is that how you're going to start every, like, segue? It's like, speaking of... Speaking of exact same thing. Speaking of this and this. I, I take pride in my very stilted segues. If, I, if I'm so. ever on one of these segments again, I'm going to put the weirdest possible adjectives in the last sentence to see what you turn it into. Like, that was very <laughs> laconic. Speaking of like, falling off of a clip and running into, like, a garbage can, it's... Like, speaking of Tabasco and macaroni and cheese... Speaking of Tabasco and macaroni and cheese, Revo's one outfit that he wore during the live show for Wicked Flight actually was the same color. <laughs> you know, I sort of believe you, but I. That's you can wear a red outfit that looks like mac and cheese. Doesn't he wear like? A, <laughs> doesn't he wear like, like wear like a cape or something like that? Or this really? Yeah, <laughs> you can make up some silly stuff about Revo, and I would probably believe you because that guy is a mad He's genius. He's a showman for sure. <laughs> you know, and yeah. Wicked Flight. I just, I, I really, really love Bravely Default soundtrack for a lot of reasons. But you know, what I love about Wicked Flight is that it manages to work in themes from other parts of the game, and that's. You basically have me if you can put a theme from earlier in your RPG in your final boss theme. Uh, every game that does that, I love the final boss song. You know, Tales of the Abyss does that. Kingdom Hearts does it every time. You know, it's I love that sort of consistency you get when you have this musical theme that has been greeting you throughout the game, throughout the experience, 
in the capstone of that experience, and Wicked Flight does that along with having its own melody that I adore. Yeah, Wicked Flight is relentless. It um, it never really lets up. Even well, okay, it does let up during sort of the bridge when it goes back down to the solo piano and starts to build back up to the full orchestra and guitar sounds. But I mean, it's always climbing up and down, making callbacks to earlier combat music in the game. And uh, the first time I heard it was, um, it might have been for last year's RPG Fan Music of the Year, Spectacular. But I don't know if that's exactly the truth. Uh, but I listened to the soundtrack long before playing Bravely Default, and um, I immediately latched onto the song. Like, this song rules, it's obviously boss music, um, but and it's, it's just really powerful and with a feeling of just of, of, of chasing or being chased or just an intense battle and when I started playing the game over the summer I was waiting for for Wicked Flight to hit the whole game then 65 70 hours later I finally <laughs> get it because it's the, it's the second to last I knew it wasn't the last boss because Serpent Eating the Ground just screams last boss if you listen to that song, song too. so but it yeah it is a good song too but um, this is the second to last boss in a moment of tremendous payoff because um, by the end of the game you are very very upset at the second to last boss <laughs> and yeah <laughs> and man that song is awesome I have, I've listened to it many times over the past it's year. actually DLC in Curtain Call and it's super fun to play there too you know well Okay, I mean, I'm going to buy that in Curtain Call about five minutes after this recording. There you go. Now that I. <laughs> it's too yeah. long. Gotta speed it up a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, actually, it's I mean, a segment I'll... of it in Curtain Call. It's about three minutes in Curtain Call. Okay, good. Because if, if I do that for seven minutes and 50 seconds, then I'll probably get hand cramps. <laughs> it's, it's lengthy nonetheless. It's still like 600 notes, but you know. It's going to say like eight minutes of that. It just it's like, like, it's you like get a playing Freebird and Guitar Hero 2. It's like, right. can I pause and just pass the guitar to my friend? I'm not having fun anymore. I'm sad. It's man. That's listen to that music. Um, I haven't now played Baby Default yet, which I guess is like slander, being an RPG site reviewer and all that. But it reminded me about the Xenoblade Chronicles with Ace Plus uh, and their contribution to that soundtrack, and a lot of uh, wailing guitars and like uh, trumpets blaring all over the place, and just all this, all these crazy instruments coming together into this giant orchestra and seeing the live version of that where you just got like these guys in front just doing guitar solos and then you just got like this group of people in suits in the back just playing trumpets it's just like it's, this is like this is rpg music this is so ridiculous and just hearing that it and then like seeing a Calamari, it like just manifesting in front of you watching just like watching all yeah all these crazy. different bodies just all come, like meshed together just folded over each other it's it, it was <laughs> And hearing that music, yeah, that's like over eight minutes long, and it, as was mentioned before, it's like it doesn't really loop. Um, uh, like it has the bridge into the actual, uh, you know, main hook itself. But just hearing that, and just I, 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 I did a post on my site where I named like the my favorite soundtracks of the past generation. Uh, generation of Xenoblade Chronicles is up there, mm -hmm. but just hearing this soundtrack, I think. I think it tops it just hearing that music and hearing listen to the music of course before um on my own um just yeah Wicked Flight just incredible absolutely I, I think I mean this is not a surprise but Bravely Default's OST is my favorite game soundtrack in the past several years I uh 
when we do the music of the year posts soon, um, it's my number one for this year, even though it's technically a 2012 release in Japan. It's confusing, but 2013 in Europe. So. <laughs> yeah, true, and 2014 in North America. This there is, you go. Yeah, I feel yeah, like we've a, had bravely defaulted our music of the year awards every year for like the past five. Jeez, that, that's impressive. Not sure well, how that happens. Yeah, but. in two years, I don't know how you <laughs> yeah. can do that, but maybe not quite five. But <laughs> we knew but, it was coming. Uh, yeah, I, tell. I knew it was going to be good. I mean, in the in advance. <laughs> Yeah, it, it defies four years of light. You knew, and for that reason, it is timeless. Well, no, it fits the theme because you have to go back and do it again, and uh, go back and do it oh again. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. I don't know if you know much about this, Zach, but the second half of Bravely Default has issues with environment recycling and repetition. So no, I've just, I've it, heard it, people say that. Just seeing that when people started playing it, like for the first time when that game came out, they just I could just see the reaction to people like, wait. What happened to the like the first half was pretty great. What is going on in the second half of that game? And so yeah, I heard the same things too, and that almost scared me away from it. But I'm glad it ultimately didn't because yeah, I really it's not as bad as people make it out. Yeah, it can be, but it doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah, but that obviously the bearing does it has on the soundtrack though. Like, do they do anything like that with the music itself, or does it continue to be dynamic like that? Like, just keeps changing it up. Um, well, I mean, the same areas will have the same Oh, you're going back to the same area? You're backtracking in that game? Or going I, 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 said I said recycled environments. They oh, reuse the same I environments many times. I thought times. it was like, reuse assets, not like straight up going back to the same places. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I don't want, I'm not going to talk about it anymore to avoid spoilers, but sure. it does that, yeah. and, many, and many people were frustrated by that. Oh. But ultimately, I think that the game is, it, it pays off in a meaningful way, and the whole experience is successful enough that I ultimately forgave it, even though many people did not. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> and uh, and the soundtrack is absolutely awesome. The only downside is that you need to play that game for 60, 70 hours to get to Wicked Flight and Serpentine <laughs> the Ground. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if we see a lot more Bravely Default in the Music of the Awards as we continue along. Well, uh, that wraps us up. Mac and Zach, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we It was really exciting to have... Thank all you. of the big RPG sites here. <laughs> but we, uh, you know, I think it's sort of, you know, when we run this feature, it's sort of a, a big thing. We want to get everyone together. We want to get a lot of diversity in our picks. You know, we don't want to just have me posting everything that Yoko Shimomura does all year and making that the whole show. So you all yeah, brought it. Wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> but it's, wrong. Uh, so it's, a, it's a real pleasure to have you both here. And uh, Solozzi, thank you for doing your hey, picks as thank well. thank you. Thank you for letting me do this, and thank you for hiring me two months ago. God, has it been that long? Feels yeah. like it's been a year. <laughs> yeah. I'm so used to having you guys around now. And Mike, as always, Coco host, thank you for joining. No problem. And uh, so we've got plenty more coming up. We have segments upon segments of this show together. So stay tuned, listeners, and enjoy.
All right, everyone, and we're back, and now we have yet another outstanding guest. Joining us for this particular segment is, as always, my co-host, Caitlin Argeros. Hi, everyone. And our special guest today is Jason Napolitano. He is the supreme commander of Scarlet Moon Records. We've covered some of their albums in the past, uh, the Scarlet Moon Christmas EP, Prescription for Sleep, from Gentle Love. There's Saturday Morning RPG, which I think you guys covered, and Monarch Heroes of a New Age. And, yep, uh, and the, uh, the arrangements and variations of that as well. Yeah, we do a lot of RPG stuff. I guess that's just kind of um, what my interests are. So uh, thanks for having me, and you know, thanks for all the coverage of the, the RPG stuff we've been putting out on the label. It's been, about, it's been about a year now that we've been out, and so it's great to get some people checking out what we're doing. So, Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, uh, you know, part of that, too, is that you know, you're covering sort of – we talk a lot about how we're really down with you know, all these arrangements and sort of the – increased appreciation i would say of game music we've been experiencing in the past couple of years you know i remember like 10 years ago it was impossible to find soundtracks unless you imported them and you know you basically your options for arrangements were go to oc remix and that is totally not the case anymore with labels like scarlet moon i mean the prescription for sleep was one of the best albums i heard last year i absolutely love that well thank you um there might be some news uh soon about more prescription for sleep so you guys can look forward to that but um uh yeah definitely that album is you know our, one of our biggest accomplishments and uh you know my whole point from the beginning was to try to turn it into a series um so i'm hoping we can do that and uh you know i just as a big fan of it myself and having those same feelings about the stuff not being out there um you know personally that prescription for sleep album was kind of like a dream project of mine the, the song selection was kind of very personal and, you know, companies like Louder, who are allowing people to do the official um, licensing and oh, not yeah. doing this fan-made stuff and kind of, you know, going under the table of, of licensing and copyright law kind of opened it up for a lot of people to do what they want to do on a legitimate kind of um, basis. Yeah. You know, we talked about – we talked to Taylor Davis and she was mentioning too that sort of we have like this – with like things like Louder – being able to have all these like official arrangements where not only are people who are fans of the material getting credit for it, but also the people who actually created the material. It's awesome that sort of everybody can sort of enjoy this appreciation and benefit from it. Yeah. So some of the, 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 my favorite stuff from the last year, which I know we're going to be talking about is stuff that's been on louder and been licensed. So it's really opened it up to really put things out there on a professional basis where a lot of it was fan and free before, um, maybe you kind of wrote it off or, you know, whatever. Now it's kind of like, you know, it's an official product that you can assess and critique and, and do all those things. So, yeah, like, you know, and it's licensed. And so it's it's crazy. Like one of your tracks, we won't spoil it too soon. But I mean, the composer has told me in the past or the arranger told me, that you know, he sent it to the original composer and the composer said, this is really cool. I'd love to get you a beer sometime. Like, I just <laughs> I just love that we live in an age where that can happen. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, I, the whole social media thing has just made it easy to get a hold of anybody these days. So it's really a cool time to be doing um, arrangement work and, and doing this, this kind of stuff that, that's been going on forever through sites like OCR. But now it's just really opened up for even more people to, you know, actually apply their, their talent and maybe make some money and, and make sure that the uh, license holder, you know, the copyright holder is also getting their share. So it's kind of a cool cool deal for everyone like a so, golden age yes yeah. so speaking of fantastic music jason you picked our uh, all the selections for today these are your music of the years as they were so uh what are we going to be listening to for our first block here 
So I know that we're going to be listening to, and this is this is actually interesting. So, you know, I listen to a lot of game music throughout the year, but when I come to the end of the year, um, I used to do a lot of writing about game music, and so I would have to do these kind of roundups every year of the, the best game music of whatever this last year was. And I went through VGMDB, which is an excellent site for anyone who's into game music. I go through the calendar and, and kind of jot down all the stuff I've listened to and then kind of think of some games um, I'm looking at you, Nintendo, that um, had great <laughs> soundtracks but weren't released. Um, so I, that's kind of – in this process this year, I looked back and, and, and I kind of wrote down a bunch of kind of acclaimed soundtracks or interesting ones that I didn't listen to, and I went back and listened to those. So you know that when we were talking about doing this segment, um, I had picked some stuff, and then I had gone back and listened to Grand Blue Fantasy – um, which is a, I guess, iOS and Android game in Japan, like a JRPG that Uematsu and um, Tsutomu Narita did the music for. And I was like, all right, I, I want to give that a listen. I really like the Unchained Blade stuff that they did. Oh, yeah, that was great. And, and just like, you know, I just pulled it up on YouTube and was listening to it and said, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe people weren't talking about this. I threw it out on Twitter. A bunch of people retweeted it. Everybody's saying like, oh, my gosh, like, where can I get this? Unfortunately, it's hard to find, but um, there is some great music, so we're going to listen to something from that. Uh, really cool, kind of Celtic-inspired stuff that we know Uematsu has always loved, um, and now he's actually getting the opportunity to to put that in a game. And then the the other pick is going to be... That one is the one from Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors. Oh, yeah, the best game of the year, I think. Um, I had so much fun with Hyrule Warriors, and a part of that is that I guess I've never really played a Dynasty Warriors game, so in that sense... Um, it was all new and, and fresh to me, whereas somebody who plays a lot of Dynasty Warriors is like, oh, this is just a reskinned version. For me, it was just all new, all fun, tons of Zelda fan service. Oh, yeah. From the characters to the weapons to the the stuff you had to do, and, of course, the music. There were some fantastic arrangements, and it was hard to pick yes. one song. It was so hard to pick one song, but um, this song that we're going to listen to, Under Siege, um, stood out in particular to me. Excellent. So. Well, then let's go ahead and take a listen to Evergreen Wind from Grand Blue Fantasy and Under Siege from Hyrule Warriors.
So you sort of talked about this before we listened to it, but the immediate thing I noticed about Evergreen Wind is that it has super Celtic influence. It just makes you want to dance. Absolutely. It's so like uh, bouncy and fun and, and upbeat. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of great music on that soundtrack. So and the unfortunate thing is that was what I said is the I was listening to this and I said, OK, first thing I'm going to do when I get home is I'm going to go buy this. Uh, unfortunately, it's not widely available. It's not available digitally. There is a physical soundtrack that was released at like Comic Cat 86 or something. So there's not a place to import it. Um, so I'm kind of just left with listening to it on YouTube. But I, I highly recommend any fan of Uematsu to go check it out. There's a really cool battle theme. Um, this song in particular kind of stuck out. It's really melodic, um, upbeat. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Celtic Moon, uh, Final Fantasy IV. Celtic oh, yeah. Moon, which I think Classic. is one of the, yeah, it's one of the, like, the must-haves for any game music fan. And so this kind of is his opportunity to take that love he has that he's kind of said he's had for Celtic music for years and actually put it into a game. And, man, this is an iOS game, an Android game. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, music for that platform. You know, I, you know, I don't want to make a blanket statement without having assessed everything. But you know, what I've found, especially this year, is that there are all these, you know, mobile games that I feel like Japan, especially, is taking the soundtracks in their mobile games very seriously. You know, you have Terra Battle, which is fantastic. Uh, that's some great Uematsu and, and company work. And you know, this I I sort of had totally missed this. And then when you mentioned it to me, I was like, I gotta go listen to this. And I listened to the whole soundtrack and was just stunned. I went and looked up gameplay online just so I could see like the context that this appeared in and just it's so it's so good and it's just crazy to me that you know a it's not readily available and b you know i just feel like a lot of western uh mobile games you know some there are some exceptions you have like sword and sorcery where they take the music very seriously and not that they don't you know not that it's like a blanket statement but it's just this is a you know full like i would not be surprised to hear this on like a console jrpg type of music like this is not a phoned in effort no, I mean you look at the if you look at the entry on VGMDB, every track has live performers, um, multiple arrangers. So it's you know there, there was a budget, um, and you know I, like you said, you don't want to make a blanket statement, but a lot of times there really isn't a big budget. You know they get one composer, they say you use the you know digital um, instruments, and you know there's no there's no budget for live recording. So it's really um, I'm glad you saw the video footage. I haven't actually looked at it yet. That was kind of the next step. Um, and I know there's like an English fan site for um, the, the game itself. I don't know if it's been released or anything, but um, I definitely want to see more. I've, I've gone back and I've done that a lot. I've listened to a soundtrack and loved it and gone and played the game because of it. So <laughs> I've just... had that happen so many times. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, I can go see that too. I can be yeah. bought with, with pretty music. I'm easily bought. Yeah, so it's kind of funny how that goes. This is kind of one something where I, I kind of want to see what the context is now. Um, yeah, definitely. it is this beautiful sweeping orchestral score and this is this Celtic track and um, it's just so bubbly and it's like it's, it's it's kind of infectious like you can't help but <laughs> be happy after you listen to it um, and it's memorable too like I can I can you know think of what the melody is you know just off the top of my head um, after listening to it just a few times so I think he did a really good job yeah most definitely um, this track in particular, actually, I think was composed by uh, Itsuki Iwasa, who I'm not actually familiar with. Um, but I didn't realize there are actually a lot of composers that worked on um, Grand Blue Fantasy, and all of it is very consistent and very good. So, you know, that's to me, that tells me that the composing team was really working closely together, which, again, just goes into that point we've been making where this is not a, you know, this is not a budget production and it doesn't feel that way. 
Yeah, I mean, look at it. I think I think with the VGMDB entry lists is Uematsu and Narita is doing all the music, and then they have all the arrangers. There's like a ton of arrangers. Oh, so, okay. Um, my guess is that Uematsu probably did some general MIDI thing, and then um, this guy kind of made it into the Celtic, you know, translated that into live performance and made the music sheets and whatever. But um, yeah, I guess it would take a, a deeper look. But it was my impression that uh, that those the, those two doing most of the music. Um, so yeah, and then, and then should we jump into Under Siege? Most definitely. That, that track, you know, I was going to make an anecdote before we listened to it, but I watched my roommate play most of Hyrule Warriors and, you know, I've played, I played Dynasty Warriors way back in the day, like on PS2 and, you know, I hadn't played for years and Hyrule Warriors is just uh, pure fan service is definitely the way I would describe it because he kept Mm. playing and, you know, I would turn around and be like, oh my gosh, that song is awesome. I need to hear that. Or what is that song? And you know, I went and looked up the soundtrack, having not even played the game, just because there were so many cool, I mean, original pieces like this one, too. But there were also a lot of really great, like, arrangements of classic Zelda tunes with this yeah. sort of really rocking, energetic tone to them. Well, I've always hated the, um, I want to say it's the Ocarina of Time shop theme. I've always just, like, not <laughs> liked that song. But they made that, that's like the menu music in Hyrule Warriors. And it's like a cool, really cool, like, rock version of it. And I yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, I actually like this version of the song. And like the Skyloft theme from um, oh Skyward Sword that it. they did in the Rock and Woodwinds, oh, it's just that so cool. So it's so hard song. to pick. It was so hard to pick just one song because it's such a good soundtrack, so much fan service, great arrangements, and great original music. Um, but <clears throat> when you play the game, the first level that you play, um, this Under Siege track is the song, and it's just like. You know, it has this like marching bass line, and then the brass comes in, so it's epic. And you just, and then the 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 bass, then like a, a, a rock bass comes in, and it's just so cool to be running around the field and slashing things and fighting bosses. I would, you know, the whole point of that game was playing the stages over and over again. So I'd always play the stage on the music that was originally selected for it. But if I went to go replay it, I would put Under Siege on it because it was just such a cool uh, song. And so it's definitely going to go on um, my exercise playlist. Oh, well, that's good because it gets yes. the blood pumping, doesn't it? Yeah, I love yeah. I love an exercise playlist. I, I I feel like you know it'd be really cool like to have an arrangement album of like just like workout music because I feel like a lot of people <laughs> like I know uh, like on Imgur there was a, a a list of like music that, game music that's good for exercise and I was just like yeah. this is fantastic. I love that people are doing this. Well, you might have heard the story before, but that's how Prescription for Sleep came about, is I have a really lengthy um, playlist of game music to sleep. And so I had written an article on Destructoid about getting my you know, top 10 game music tracks to sleep to or whatever. And I took that list plus uh, the 250 comments or whatever that people put on it, and they suggested their own songs. Mm-hmm. I used that as the basis for what went on Prescription for Sleep. So I've always said... Wouldn't it be cool um, to do a you know game music for the gym or you know whatever whatever title you want to give it? But wouldn't it be cool to produce an album that was that? But it's it's kind of harder. So what? Who would you have? Would I mean? Would you want live instruments? So I said, oh gosh, man, I'd have to get I'd have to get Stemage on this thing. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yes. Do a do a rock kind of remix. The the, the challenge is is that. Um, with these albums is do you take material that was kind of already in that style and then just kind of give it the live, you know, arrangement and performance treatment, or do you try to pick songs that aren't necessarily in that style and have them, you know, retooled to be 
that that kind of theme. Yeah, and like so. work them around. Because I know <laughs> yeah. my, my favorite track on uh, Prescription for Sleep was the Dire Dire Docs track. And I mean, you know, I had never, I, I'm shamefully admitting that I've really never played Mario 64, but, you know, I went and listened to that original song and that was such a good one because, and like, you know, maybe it's just the way I listened to the original, but I was really interested that that one became what it did on Prescription for Sleep because it's just such a pretty song on that. But it's, mm-hmm. to me, it was a little, it was almost like peppy. I don't know if peppy is the word I would use, but the original, you know, so it is sort of an interesting question of what do you do? <clears throat> what kind of material do you use, you know, when you're arranging this type of stuff for this hypothetical exercise album, which I'm going to call Pumping Iron in my head? <laughs> well, the, the basis for that, uh, for that uh, Dire Dire Docs track was actually, I don't know if you're familiar with the Altered Beasts. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They had that album Transfiguration, which I listen to almost every day. Um, it's the two guitarists for the one-ups for people who don't know, um, doing these guitar duo versions of like various final fan, you know, just various game tunes, you know, final fantasy, Mario, whatever. They have a version of dire, dire docs. that is just so dreamy and beautiful that, um, when I was thinking of game music for sleep, I said, gosh, I got to get, I got to get, um, Habino and Ayaki to do, do a version of this song. And they made it a little more upbeat than what I kind of anticipated, but it turned out pretty well anyway. Um, I was oh, yeah. really happy with the result. That was a fantastic song. But yeah, definitely check out The Transfiguration. The entire album um, is fantastic. Uh, so I'll definitely yeah. check that out. I'm, I, I grew up with Altered Beast, so... No, there you go. Wise from your grave. Wise from your grave. <laughs> so, let's go ahead and take a listen to the your second two tracks, which uh, we're starting with one from Dark Souls 2, is that right? Dark Souls 2, yeah. Fantastic soundtrack. Um, it was hard to pick. Um, again, a song, one song, um, but we ended up going well with King Vendrick, um, which comes in the later part of the game. And then we also have a selection from uh, the near, gosh, what do they call it? The Jazz Arrange version, Volume 2. And um, this is what I was talking about earlier. There's a, this is a, through, available through Louder and officially licensed, um, a jazz arranged version of some of the near tracks. And this is the second volume um, that came out in 2014. So those are the two we're going to listen to. Excellent. All right. Well, coming up, King Vendrick and Veil, the prestigious mask.
You know, we talk about we joke around at RPG Fan because the host of our regular gaming podcast, Rob, and I are just huge fans of Dark Souls. And you know, one of the things I got him to do was sort of like, you know, he loves Dark Souls and he's not super into game music. But I'm like, think about the music in Dark Souls. Like, it's a, it's Motoi Sakuraba, which blows my mind because it's so. I could pick up hints of his work in it, like in King Vendrick, this particular track. Yeah. But it sounds like, you know, I think he's sort of been typecast lately with his Tales work that people think Tales are Star Ocean with Sakuraba. But he's so diverse. And the stuff in Dark Souls 2, in particular this song, uh, King Vendrick, is just so atmospheric and, you know, I, no, I, I, mean... I think of the synthy rock guitar sometimes with Sakuraba, and this sort of plays against that that expectation that i rightly or wrongly have no i completely agree i you know um sakuraba had like some very prolific years in the 2000s where he would do like five four disc soundtracks and it was always like a tales game a star ocean game uh you know some of the gamecube rpgs he had done um and it was all the same kind of like progressive rock style so i mean i don't think it was unfair to typecast him and say oh that's kind of what he does i think that all changed when you saw like infinite undiscovery which was oh yeah i don't know anything yeah. about the game but the score was like completely orestral and you're like wow this is sakuraba there's no guitar uh, you know and <laughs> like, it's been a while like since I listened. yeah it's been a while so i mean it's possible that there was some guitar but that's not what i remember about it i remember being amazed about the orchestral work so when demon souls had uh shinsuke akita do the soundtrack and they announced that, um, which actually I don't think they ever really fit, like announced that Sakuraba was doing Dark Souls. Uh, I was kind of wondering what he would do. And it sounds like he really picked up the mantle of that orchestral style that Demon Souls laid out. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of really dark, uh, cool songs in in both games. But Dark Souls 2, I was I was pretty sure I was going to pick the Rotten because I love um, Harpsichord and I'm, I'm a big uh, sucker for Harpsichord. But then, um, actually, I just beat the game like two days ago. And um, towards the end of the Congratulations. game... You, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> my son, my, my three-year-old son has been holding a controller next to me and uh, he's been having a lot of times. He, he always says, fight the bad guys, fight the scary monsters. 
Oh. Uh, yeah, we'll get right on that. <laughs> and uh, he's like your uh, wingman. So, yeah, he was. That and, is adorable. Um, and so we, you know, people are like, "Oh, well, that's not a good game for him." But I'm like, "Oh, you know, he doesn't really have the context of of whatever it is that's scary or whatever." So he's he's enjoyed it, and we got to King Vendrick, and um, you know, it's it's kind of like the uh, the for people who played the game, it's a big part building up to finding him because he's been. Uh, he was the king of the land. He had all these great accomplishments. He did all this research into the souls and defeated the giants and all this cool stuff. And you're like, oh, cool. Well, I'm going to finally, you know, find this guy. And the scene, I don't know if you two have played through Dark Souls 2. Um, I've, I've, I've seen the scene. I haven't played the entire game, uh, which is shameful being a Dark Souls yeah. fan. Uh, but I, I, know, I know what scene you're talking about because I've seen most of the end. And I haven't you? played really any of the series i keep meaning to but i always find a way to Get scare myself out of it <laughs> all right well how do you guys feel about spoilers uh spoilers are okay on the music show and for listeners a spoiler is coming so there you go yes I'm so you you beat the big boss um that's that's the guard of you know whatever of, of king vendrick and then you kind of go down these stairs and you see this giant looming kind of creature moving around down at the bottom of these steps and you're like oh god another fight right after this really difficult one you go down the steps and it's a hollowed version of king vendrick so um you know this great hero of the land that everybody has all this praise for has been reduced to this zombie that's kind of meandering about at the bottom of the steps he doesn't bother you unless you bother him um his clothes are there his his, uh his armor is in a big heap on the ground and you get this item you need to progress the king's ring and even though you're not engaged in the fight and that's the thing about dark souls is most of the music outside of like the town area the hub area is uh it's a silent game except for when you get into a boss battle um the song that accompanies king vendrick plays in that area even though you're not engaged in combat and the song it starts with this kind of unsettling piano and harp um and then it there's this weird dark whispering um, that you can't make out what's being said, but it's kind of like this maddening um, kind of sound. And then the strings come in, and it's really somber. And then there's an ensemble section that's kind of almost distorted. Kind of, it kind of tells a whole story about this great figure who has been corrupted and has fallen from this this greatness that he was into this state that he doesn't know who he is or what's going on around him and i think the music captures all of those things so well um i just couldn't help but pick that song um it's just amazing and you listen to it and you're sad and um creeped out yeah creeped out it's really creepy um he's just again walking around dragging a sword around and um and I never engaged the fight i didn't see the purpose of of fighting him at that point um you can engage in the battle and and get some armor and stuff from it, but uh, I didn't bother. I just kind of felt better. Challenge, acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he... just felt better to me. Like if you're, you know, in the role playing sense, that like, oh, there's no reason to fight this guy. Um, so. Um, yeah, yeah, and you, you pointed out too something that I really like that they do effectively in the Souls games, which is in normally it's in you have silence and you have tracks during boss battles. So the fact that they sort of break with their like audio language to have a song playing just while you're here. Sort of, they, they do a really great job of storytelling in Dark Souls without sort of telling you the story. And I feel right. like this is a great example of that, especially with the music. And I like, you know, you pointed out the song is creepy, but it's also sort of sad. Because it's, this is, you know, the ultimate sort of visual and audio expression of 
how depressing the world in Dark Souls 2 is. It's like, this is your hero, and this is what he's reduced to. So you're creeped out, but you're also sort of, it's pitiable. Yeah. I think this track just does an amazing job of conveying that. Yeah, and that's why that's why I had to pick it, despite all the great music in that game. I mean, I think most people would pick Majula because that's the song you hear the most often. It had the really cool bell tones. And, we actually uh, already played Majula on Music of the Year, so you're there right. There you go. That was, that was Ralph's <laughs> pick, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's a fantastic track. I love the organ work and, and all the stuff in it. But um, yeah, it's King Vendrick just, gosh, it's just... It really, and it's not something like you listen to in the car ride, you know, going to the mall or whatever it is you're doing. It's something that <laughs> is so tied to the game. It's you can't you. It ties into the visuals of what you saw. It tells a story, and um, you know, granted, it's not something for fun outside listening, but it's just a really cool track that it's going to stick with me for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm always glad to hear it because I'm I'm actually a huge fan of Sakodaba, so I always get a little bit defensive when I hear people uh, disparaging him because of Tales and Star Ocean, and I feel like he's got a lot more depth than just the, that series of games. And I like to hear things that can really showcase that. that depth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I have a fun little short story about about. Sakuraba and um, Progressive Rock. You know, I'm a big fan of Vince DiCola, and I've been I've worked with him a little bit on the label. And I said, oh, you know, Vince, you need to hear this this composer. You know, Motoi Sakuraba. He does all this progressive rock stuff. And you know, he's like the only guy in game do guy only guy in games doing this, and he's really well known for doing the style. So I actually took over the um, you know that Star Ocean and uh, gosh, what was it? Valkyrie profile i always want to say valkyria profile valkyrie <laughs> profile um you know how he did that concert yeah yeah yeah. so i took the, yeah i took the concert dvd and we watched it and he's like yeah this is really good but you know i can totally hear where all this all this stuff is coming from you know it's coming from all the progressive rock acts of of you know of, of the stuff that vince is a fan of and he's like so in that sense it's really cool but it's not entirely like original and I said, well, in terms of games, he's the only guy doing it. And he's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So it's kind of cool to show show Vince, who's known for this progressive rock style, um, the Japanese composer who's kind of doing that in games. And for him to be able to pick out, you know, oh, this is, you know, and he let, rattled off all the names of the, the, the early progressive rock kind of um, acts that th- this was all drawn from. But um, it was just kind of cool to see his reaction to that. That is really cool. I love yeah. that sort of like crossover type thing. Like you had, uh, um, it was the Sword and Sorcery when that came out in Japan. Uh, Jim Guthrie did the music for the, you know, the American version of the game, but they did a an arrangement album that had like uh, Mitsuro Suzuki, uh, Akira Yamaoka doing covers of Jim Guthrie's music. Yeah. from Sword and Sorcery, and it was really cool to sort of have this, like, crossover, and, like, there was some talk about it, you know, talking about how they identified threads in the music that they recognized, and that's why they played upon that, and, you know, Suzuki's track is very, you know, sort of in his style that you would, you know, find from, you know, like, his work on Final Fantasy Thirteen and stuff, so it is really cool when you have that crossover of, like, people identifying these, like, styles of music that are, you know, in their own context seem very unique, but to others are like, Oh no, this is all over the place. So it, it's cool. That is really cool. Yeah. It's a universal language, regardless of what language you speak. Heck yeah. Yes. So, and then the other track was the, um, Oh gosh, which one was it now? Veil. Veil. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about this is, uh, so this is the one I was alluding to with louder, making something like this possible. Um, Near is a special soundtrack, I think, for a lot of people. Um, for me, uh, having, was, I was writing about game music at the time, 
um, and received that that album in the mail. And, you know, you look at the cover and it's kind of strange. Um, received it, listened to it, said, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. What the heck is this game? Because Square Enix wasn't really doing a whole lot of promotion in the U.S. for it. Oh, definitely um, not. And, and it was probably like a year or two after the game came out that I actually went back and played it because I love the soundtrack so much. So it looked like Square Enix knew they had a hit on their hands. You know, they made their um, they had some arrangements on the DLC album that they put out. They put out a tribute album. They put out a piano album. They had the chip tune album. Yeah, the chip tune album that had all the different um, Dragon Guard stuff and some near tracks. And so I remember asking a couple of years ago the the PR department from for the music division in Japan <clears throat> in an interview that I was doing. I said, so is there anything else left for near? You know, and, and they basically said, oh, well, we think, you know, we've kind of done everything. Um, and the game is so old now, and they're not going to make another one, probably. So, um, you know, we think that's probably, you know, good and done. So then you got, so you got to leave it to, you know, fan arrangers and, and arrangers out there who this resonates with to put stuff out there. And, and uh, Sean, and I can't, I don't know his last name, maybe you. Sean Shafiansky, we actually interviewed him a few episodes ago. Perfect. Well, um, I'm sure he was great on the show. I didn't hear him on, but uh, he definitely did a fantastic job with a jazz arranged version um, that he put out. He put out two volumes. I think there's six tracks each. All the songs are fantastic, but I picked Vale specifically because it just it just seems so natural as a jazz song. Um, it really does, know, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you listen to the original, and I would have never thought of it that way. Um, you know, it's on, like, my personal um, sleep and relaxation playlist. Uh and I would have never thought of it as a jazz song, but when you hear it, you can't. It's one of those things you can't unhear it. Like you're like, oh, this is like naturally supposed to be a jazz song, and he just did such a fantastic job. Um, you know, there's the the brass solos in there, uh, and featured all throughout the albums, uh, both volumes. And so I was just really impressed that, despite there being the electronic arrangement and the piano arrangement and the chiptune one, <clears throat> he was able to do something new that Square Enix probably didn't even think of. So <clears throat> I think that's how we're going to keep seeing the near music live on. Oh, yeah, what fans are able to, you know, I told I actually when I, when they said they thought they were done, I said, what about a symphonic suite near? Yeah, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be cool. But, oh, yes, um, please. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of jazz in general, and there isn't enough jazz, in my opinion, um, out there. So, you know, I look to things like the Rockman X Alpha, Alpha Lyra album in the. Um, yep. And the uh, Brink of Time from Chrono Trigger album um, mm-hmm. is kind of good examples. And I just want more of it. And so bringing Near and Jazz together was just awesome in my mind. And probably one of my favorite things to come out of the last, you know, couple of years. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, it's funny, too, because, you know, we talk, when we talk to Sean, we, we always ask, you know, what's your favorite style of music? And he was like, jazz. Like, this is surprising. <laughs> But, you know, right. and we said, you know, he's like, well, you know, we ask sort of what styles do you want to see more? And he's like, I want to see more jazz. And, you know, it's really cool that he's able to, like we said, you know, we said it a couple times with Louder. Um, you know, he's done his Chrono Trigger jazz album. He's done the two near volumes of jazz. It's such a cool way to sort of reinterpret this music that, you know, jazz is sort of, you know, tons of people love jazz. And you're right that I don't think it's especially well represented in games. So to have you know, an outlet for even an older album like Nier to get, get a jazz arrangement is really awesome that we can have that, you know, some, some composer that loves jazz goes, I'm going to make more jazz. And there it is. It's, it's pretty fantastic. There you go. And he's only done like 12 songs, so he could totally do volume three and volume four. And 
and then maybe re- re- you know visit some other cool RPG soundtracks that uh, I know, would... I'm, I'm itching for Dark Souls Super Jazz Arrange version. That would be Final Fantasy yep. 14, the would... jazz album. Those would both tickle me to death. <laughs> I, I would. I'll, I'll settle for a Chrono Cross jazz album or anything from Chrono Cross since we never got that arrangement <laughs> album. I'm still. Still hurt. He says he says that. he's still wor- he says he's still working on it. I apparently. hope I believe him. I want to believe him, and I I really want it. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's put out a couple. I would guess we'll you know that track that he had on that play for Japan album. Yeah, and he had a he had a sample on. Um, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, it was like a, a, a sort of Christmas arrangement of one of the tracks too. Uh, so it's yeah. not. Uh, he definitely hasn't forgotten about it. Yeah, and it sounds like, you know, it's it's in the works, but it's, like, the lowest priority. Although, I don't know what else he's doing. Yeah, I'm not really... <laughs> I, I, should, I should follow up on that, because, like, you know, I haven't heard much from Mitsuda at all in the last few years. It's yeah. sort of sad, because, you know, he was one of my favorites growing up, and, you know, yeah. he's just sort of not as big a name right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess he did... What was that? Um, v, Was it a Vita or PSP? Oh, right, he did uh, Soul Sacrifice. Soul Sacrifice. Right. Which is, the, like, he did the main theme or something like for it. Or... Yeah, and it's it was uh, with Hotaru Wakayama, and it's yeah. sort of... I was actually a little stunned by that album, because it's it was not what I expected coming from Mitsuda. Uh, yeah. It's very different from the style that I think he sort of has become known for, uh, yeah. which it was it was certainly an interesting soundtrack, definitely. I think he's been... I mean, I think he's intentionally been trying to veer away from that sound that he's been known for and picking projects where he gets to do something different. Even when you look at Xenosaga, um, you know, what he did on the first Xenosaga soundtrack wasn't really in line with any of the... I mean, I guess people kind of think of, like, Celtic and Melodic and, and whatnot. You know, he, he was kind of going more in an orchestral direction with that. So Yeah. yeah. I he think, did a... You know, I think, Go ahead. He did a really good soundtrack called Lime Odyssey. I don't even know that it ever got a release, but it was, I think, a Korean MMORPG. But right. uh, we played some music from it, and it's just beautiful music if you haven't heard it. Um, that's sort of, it's it's a branching out from that style that he's known for, but I would say it's a little different. But it's definitely, like, identifiably Mitsuda. No, it's cool because I remember when he used to have that um, English fan website that was run by um, Coco Ibiz. He had, you know, they announced that, oh, he's working on Lime Odyssey. And they even put out, it was like another one of those Christmas things where he put out like a little sample song from Lime Odyssey and where everybody's like, oh, this sounds so cool. And then I never heard anything about it. I don't know if the game <laughs> yeah. ever came out. I don't know if the music was out there or what, but um, it's good to know that I guess it did. Some of some of the music got out there at least. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the game ever came out here, but. Yeah. Well, so. Jason, thanks so much for taking your time to come in and record with us. Uh, music of the year, you know, I, I sort of say this to everybody, but, you know, we, we want to have as many voices as possible because part of this proliferation of game music is that, you know, you have so many different tastes and you have so much music that the more people we have contribute, the sort of more attention we can give to how much awesome music there was last year. And there was a lot of it. Yeah, and then I don't have to feel bad because you got so many people who are covering all the other stuff that I could spend hours and hours and hours talking about. So. <laughs> yeah, we've got tons of stuff covered you know like several i we mentioned a few things and i lost track already at this point but i was like oh yeah we played that earlier and we're or we're gonna play it later so it's uh this is good though I, i'm glad that you know you had a good selection too i'm glad we got hyrule warriors on there because i had several people asking if we'd play anything from hyrule warriors oh man such a good game everybody play that game um please and uh now i guess we get to look forward to this next uh what is it this what is the dragon quest heroes is that what they're calling the Oh, the, the Dragon uh, Quest reskin for uh, yeah, <laughs> Dynasty Warriors. Which I'm hoping we get some really crazy, like rock versions of Dragon Quest music. That would be nuts. 
Yeah, and I, I uh, man, Dragon Quest. I can't believe they're doing Theat Rhythm. I mean, it's awesome, and I always joked that that would be cool, but it's going to be weird with all orchestral. Yeah, you know, it's it's because Dragon Quest sort of has, I would say, a more consistent sound than Final Fantasy. Yeah, and I think it's going to be an interesting game, that's for sure. Yeah, I if mean, they, I, if they announce that they're bringing it out here, um, they haven't, but I, you know, we we're, we've sort of been forgotten lately with Dragon Quest releases, but I sort of feel like we'll get this one. I think Square sort of recognizes the potential for, you know, they they know the value of their music, and I think, you know, releasing it here would be easier than not releasing it. Especially yeah. considering the DLC that we're getting for Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I'm still holding out for Kingdom Hearts Theater Rhythm, but we'll see. So I have to You'll tell make you that, that happen. I, I interviewed the uh, director for the- Theater Rhythm at... Uh, at E3 a few years ago when I was writing. Oh, and we, really? One of the things we I talked about, I said, so tell me, how how is this game's name supposed to be pronounced? <laughs> because nobody knows. Like, Square Enix PR doesn't know. Um, <laughs> nobody knows. But, but what we can... I'd always said Theat Rhythm. And apparently that is the closest to what the director um, calls it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's yeah. how I type it. Like, I'm always like, how do I spell this? I'm like, oh, Theat Rhythm. I always call it theater rhythm. Actually, lately I just call it curtain call because that's easier for me to say, and I don't yeah. feel like I'm being silly when I PR say. PR people call it theater rhythm too, but um, yeah, if you search, <laughs> if you search, the article was uh, the title was um, um, everyone you're saying this wrong, um, and it was it was about that that game. So I'd be uh, happy. Yeah, to hopefully we'll see more. Hopefully we'll see more of of that. And you know, I'm really happy that they're putting in, you know, Chrono Trigger and. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah, all, all this stuff, all the little DLC tracks that they're putting in. I was just super stoked with Curtain Call having Mystic Quest. Oh my gosh, Quest. right? Man, that's who I need to have do the. Um, I need to get Stemage and uh, Ryuji Sasai to do. Please, please do that. <laughs> that you know, I I'm always telling people that uh, Mystic Quest has fantastic music, and I think you know people have sort of come around, but they're like, oh, Mystic Quest, that was that game that sort of people didn't like. I'm like, no, but the music is awesome. Those, well, are, those the... are bad people. Those are just bad people who they didn't are. like that game. Because it was a good game. They are bad people. I agree. Those are the first two <laughs> tracks I actually triple S'd on Ultimate in Curtain Call. I think you actually, I was working on it, and I think you commented on one of them on Twitter when I got a double S. You were like, yeah, what's the difficulty? I'm like, expert. Wow, that's but, insane. But it's, those those ones have great note charts too. But I could I could talk about Curtain Call all day, and often do. <laughs> well, and then I guess, do they do an iOS version of Curtain Call? I know they had the um, original Fiat Rhythm. They have not yet, but I would not be surprised to see it at some point. Yeah, get some more money out of me to download the uh, Mystic <laughs> Quest pack or the Final Fantasy IV pack. I want a, I want a Mystic Quest pack, man. Did they get to get like Dark King Battle in there and stuff? Yeah, dang, that's such a good soundtrack. It really yeah. is. Need more Xenogears. <laughs> I need I need Fuse. I need Seal Giant. Awakening. We want all of it. Yes. Well, all right. Well, Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Caitlin, thanks for being here as always. And everyone keep listening because we have super large amounts of more stuff coming. That sentence made sense. Come back. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.